On this episode, we discuss Black Adam. The first and probably last chapter in the Black Adam film series. Everyone and welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, yeah, it's me, Stuart Wellington. Oh, and over here it's Elliot Kalen, once again amused at how Dan says his name perfectly and then turns to Stu, laughs at the very idea of his relationship with <laughs> Stu and all the joy they've had in the past, and breaks professionalism almost instantly. No, it was the, I, I it. wasn't. It was. I was laughing at. I felt like I came in with like a certain amount of energy, and uh, Stu I changed it up. <laughs> changed it up. <laughs> Like his energy suits his uh, his sweater. Sweater is what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah I'm going for I'm going for like a Christmas prince type thing. <laughs> like maybe I'm a like a humble, simple mm. log splitter in Christmas Town, USA. And every maybe I live with a dog. <laughs> I live in a pretty simple farmer's woodsman's see, uh, shack. So I, I thought maybe you had just gotten off the boat. You're a merchant marine. Uh, oh. And you know, it, or, or you work on a whaling ship, maybe. And certainly uh, changing my rom-com character, but that's okay. okay. I like I it. <laughs> imagining him more as sort of like the Leonard Nimoy psychologist in the uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers Ooh, remake, like okay. a seventies. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe he's a pop psychologist who appears mm-hmm. on PBS near Christmas to talk sure. about love. Or maybe PBS starts, starts. It stands for Pop Broadcasting System. Yep. I'm, a, I'm <laughs> thinking a, like a Leo Biscaglia kind of style, like. Uh, <laughs> The love doctor. <laughs> maybe I have. Li- maybe I'm like a distant Sutherland. <laughs> mm-hmm. These are all things that Stuart could be. Now I got to take a photo, Stu. So we that can was have actually a that. A lot of people don't know that. Oh yeah. Like. No, wait. That should was, I put on the glasses, Dan? Yeah, put the glasses on because they are yeah. a really key part of the whole. Oh, thing. The, the glasses changed. The, oh yeah. Changed the no wait. Quite yep, a bit. This yeah. is exactly perfect. Okay. Yeah, so, I think so, the glasses informed my. Yeah, so uh, Distant Sutherland was actually what Donald Sutherland's name was before he came to Canada, came to the United States from Canada through Ellis Island and <laughs> uh-huh. changed his name. Yeah. Distant, of course, a traditional Canadian first name. Yeah, of uh, course. Donald, a traditional American first name. Yeah. So, so what, what do we do, do on this podcast, podcast other than describe outfits? <laughs> <laughs> we mostly describe things the audience can't see. This is mm-hmm. a podcast uh, where we watch a movie that we've been led to believe may be bad, either through uh, critics or audiences saying, no, thank you, please. Personal biases. <laughs> Personal biases, all these things. <laughs> and then we talk about it. Uh, we try to not walk in with our mind made up, but we've had, uh, you know, some tips maybe that this might not be up our alley. And mm-hmm. this time we watched Black Adam, another in the series, the the. The, so the the DC extended cinematic universe, I guess, that is now being changed up and dismantled by uh, James Gunn but and whoever else Jimothy is in Gunn is changing charge. Things. Yeah, so this is kind of a weird relic that killed an era, I guess. Uh, I mean, in a way, which fits because the movie is all about a weird relic that killed an era, that being yeah, the Nation true. of Contact 5,000 oh. years ago. Yeah. Oh, wow. But yeah, okay. this, this is the last gasp of, and we'll see there's a mid credit scene that hints at a future that will never come to pass, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about when we get to it. But this is kind of A last... number of vestigial limbs are present. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is it's, it's, a, it's an evolutionary dead end. Uh, mm. It's the way that history has decided not to go. So let's, 
History's greatest mystery is Black and, Adam. <laughs> and when you watch the movie, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. It makes <laughs> sense that this is not the direction that the future DCU will go in. Should we just get right into the movie? Let's do it. Uh, can I ask oh. a question first? Do yeah, we like have him. to? <laughs> could we just talk about outfits some more, or maybe no, Ellie could complain about it. Babylon a bunch? No, actually, no. We, we there was a there was a heated conversation before the recording about Babylon. We should leave that outside the record because we don't need the <laughs> listeners to hear about that. Now, do you, either of you guys, how familiar are you with the character Black Adam? Uh, not at all. I know that he is um, related to Captain Marvel, later renamed Shazam, since there's a entire. Uh, company called Marvel, and that was confusing. Um, uh-huh. And I know Wasn't he that called Miracle Man at one point? No, I'm just joking. No, no. Oh, Black, Stu. Black Adam is, I guess, in that universe as a villain and then later sort of an anti-hero, but that is all stuff that I was able to glean uh, as The Rock beat his drum for a Black Adam movie all these years that finally came to Pass. I don't actually yeah. know much else. Well, that, I mean, that's pretty much it. Black Hat. So everyone knows. Everyone now knows Captain Marvel. Who and I, uh, and I read. I read the fifty two. Is that or fifty two? Whatever that series yeah, 52, was. The, the, when, the, like, when the DC 52. universe rebooted itself a couple reboots ago. Yeah, without right? without some of the primary heroes, without like your Supermans. Yes. Uh, and Black Adam was one of the principal. I guess antagonists in that series. Well, so so the original character, I think he only appears once in the old Captain Marvel comics. He's an evil version of Captain Marvel. They fight, he gets rid of him. Many years later he was brought back and the idea was that he is he is a an anti-hero mainly because his interests are what aligns with his nation rather than any kind of what the liberal West assumes are universal values that the other heroes uh epitomize. So he is he's and he's more violent as we this movie cannot stop reminding you that he kills people as if it's the coolest thing a character has ever done yes. in the history of superhero movies. Which also, I mean, by this point in superhero movies, I'm pretty used to superheroes killing people. I it mean, would be, Superman killed people, Batman killed exactly. people in his movies. Like, it would be more uh, amazing to me if we went back to superhero movies where they really, really tried not to kill anyone Yeah, at this point. At this point, I think Spider-Man might be the only character who doesn't go out of his way to either kill people or just allow them to die. But so Black Adam, the idea is he is a, he's an anti-heroic hero uh, and maybe his values aren't totally aligned with ours, which could be an interesting thing that could create, say, a debate between characters. Instead, we get kind of like a blunt argument in which neither side does a very good job of making their case and they punch each other a lot. Yeah. Uh, and and I know that this character was supp- originally was intended to appear in other DC movies, but but Dwayne Johnson kept saying like, nah, man, I'm not a supporting character. I'm a star character. I only star in my movie. So he missed his shot at getting paid to be in other movies, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's a big concern for him these days. Probably but, not. And but, I would argue, as we talk about the movie, that he is incredibly miscast in this part, uh, mm-hmm. the way that they that they, way they present him. That yeah. Dwayne Johnson, who is, his whole thing is the arched eyebrow, you know, he's he's the he's the muscle-bound guy who's got a little bit of irony about him uh, in the same and, way that kind of Vin Diesel does. But here the character is deathly sober like and, and stern. I totally expected, and maybe it's because, you know, he doesn't want to do the eyebrow thing anymore or whatever. Like, it's, you know, it's his bazinga or he whatever. He doesn't care but, if you can smell what he's cooking anymore. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> he's I did not expect- even cooking anymore. He's not even cooking. <laughs> <The movie laughs> now it's can you smell what the rock is pooping. I, I don't want to. No, thank you. <laughs> the movie ends on, like, a setup to the name where they're like, 
you know, uh, maybe uh, Adam Tet or whatever. Like, uh, well, we'll get yeah, yeah, Teth Adam. Yeah, well, no, yeah. I, but like, I just want to say, like, yeah, you know, maybe that's outdated now. And there's a close-up on him as he's thinking about like what we all know is that he's going to name himself Black Adam, and it cuts to black, and it's a real missed opportunity. I, I expected him to arch his eyebrow for the first time in the oh, movie, yeah, and show like a little levity and like a wink at the audience, like we know we saw the name on the poster when we came into the theater. You're saying, and I think you're right. That would be a more powerful moment than just cutting to the title of the movie that we've just been watching if the it, whole time. If it, had, if it had cut to black and slowly the letters Teth Adam appeared, I would have been like, <laughs> holy shit, they did it. <laughs> they did it. They changed the title partway through the movie. So <laughs> Never before. So let's talk about this movie. This It's a lot of Sound and Fury signifying a lack of uh, box office dollars. So we're we start, we're we're just gonna, we're going to do a normal episode. Now, now. Just, yeah, we're, yeah, we're just going to do a normal okay, Black Adam okay, episode. Okay. <laughs> Elliot, as The Rock tweeted, Black Adam made plenty of money. It was a huge hit. They should it, make it, a million more. I mean, in a world where movies don't have to make back their budget and then the publicity budget, yeah, it made a lot of money. I mean, let's let's. I'm looking at the Wikipedia uh, entry right now. It made box office. Almost four hundred million dollars. That's that a lot of money. Bafo? Yeah. Is that Bafo Bo? Bo? Well, here's the thing. That was <laughs> once Bafo Bo, but in a world where the production budget is at least two hundred fifty million dollars, probably, and the marketing costs you have to assume are at least half that again, this yeah. movie might have broken even. So, yeah. but it probably didn't. Uh, and that's the thing: is the bigger the star, the more money you got to spend on publicity because their contracts often stipulate how much publicity is going to be done for the movie so it doesn't get buried and so it is uh that's not a that's not a great when you it's like 400 million dollars is an amazing m- amount of money but when it mm. takes you yeah, 400 if it was like, million if funny pages made that <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> it would be that well it's one of those things where we were dan and i were talking about this uh, it's a comic book movie <laughs> dan and i were at, at either in a previous mini or maybe it was just a conversation we're talking about avatar and top gun maverick and how avatar was seen as a First, a disappointing first weekend, and Top Gun Maverick seen as a hit first weekend, but Top Gun Maverick made less money than Avatar, and it's because different levels of movie have different expectations. So The Rock yeah. can't just say this movie made four hundred million dollars because it cost four hundred million dollars. So at at best, they made zero dollars for all that effort. Yeah. So I mean, but people got paid, and so any this, bad movie uh, now is I'm this like, a well, math podcast? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, so, is, so welcome, welcome to the Fraction House. We're gonna, we're going to talk about how much of that is half. So anyway, we start with the DC logo, which I only realized this time prominently features Green Lantern, a character who I don't think has ever appeared in the official DC universe, right? Yep. There was yep. just that Ryan Reynolds movie, Ryan, which I think is yeah. not considered part of it. Uh, so clearly, they have big things in store for one of the Green Lanterns. Okay, we begin as any superhero movie does with an incredibly unnecessary voiceover narration about the history of the character. It's 2600 BCE, almost 5,000 years ago, and we're in Kondok. And a voiceover explains this is the first self-governing people on Earth until King Octon made himself a tyrant and tried to forge the crown of Sabak. This is a magic crown that's infused with the power of six demons, and it's made out of a rare metal called Eternium, which is only found in Kondok, and is in no way a ripoff of Vibranium, which is only found Mm -hmm. in Wakanda, a Marvel Mm -hmm. place that sounds similar and is also a far-off kingdom. Now, I've Uh, heard of a six-demon bag, but a six-demon crown? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Good work. Good work. Very Uh, good. <laughs> so, uh, b- before we get too far into the specifics no, it's good. Of we're, it, we're a good we're a good thirty seconds into the <laughs> film. What, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> so, the, the 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 story that this movie wants to tell, you know, they have to have this backstory. Like you, you kind of you gotta need, have it. 
some version of it in the movie. And yeah. Audrey and I were wondering, like, you know, how to do this. Because, like, we hate this shit. Like, this is just, you know, we in the Flophouse specifically hate this. But I we think that— opening VO explainers. And this is coming from Dan not, McCoy, a man who, as we know from the uh, from the Battle Angel, <laughs> exactly. Battle Angel episode, loves backstory. I, I'm yeah. thirsty for it. <laughs> like, the but, thing is, <laughs> if it's if it's not— Kate Blanchett explaining Lord of the Rings to me. I don't want to fucking hear it. Well, it's, it, 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 in these <laughs> Which movies, is why it, you love Tar so much, because that's basically all the movie is. Yes, it's a build up to that shit. <laughs> it just <laughs> delays the start of the real story. Yes. This is information we do need for that story, but it delays the start of the real story. So Audrey and I were wondering, like, what do you guys think? Like, what's the way to do this? I mean, well, I the- hate flashbacks too, but I think it's slightly better to get us invested in these characters and then show us this stuff. I think the way to do this is the traditional way would be to seed this information throughout the film, which they do. So the, Mm -hmm. so this opening narration is even less necessary because a lot of this information gets repeated to us many times over. And so I feel like you look at a, I mean, uh, you don't have to go as far as a movie like Chinatown where you got to watch it more than once to basically figure out what happens that they're talking about. But there's a lot, I feel like in older movies, they do a better job of, seeding the information of what happened before the movie so you don't need this long prologue. But my yeah. guess is, this is my guess, un- uninformed as I am, that my guess is that the movie did not originally have this opening and that somebody was like, we got to explain all this stuff. There's too much stuff for people to pick up along the way because there is a lot of exposition to pick up. So I get, I'm guessing somebody in the studio was like, yeah, but you got to open it with a whole prologue explaining who this character, like basically what what Kondok is and what the crown of uh, Sabak is and what Eternium is, even though movie is for much of history, and I uh, have not done that. Like, I, I again, the one I always point yeah. to on the podcast is Star Wars, where there's that little opening crawl, but like the Force, uh, what the Empire really is, like all that, who Luke Skywalker is, you just pick it up as you go along, dude. Like the movie just kind of tells you when you need to know. Right. I mean, and I do think that people, I don't know, people have gotten more confused about this stuff based on like the number of old people who are like, who's that before? Like we, you know, like just have you not seen a movie before? It'll be explained, you know, trust yeah, yeah. that well, later I, on. There's also, I think there, well, I think there's, there might be a different expectations in people's minds where when you're watching a movie that's part of a larger world and you haven't seen the other movies, you don't know what stuff is being introduced in that movie or what stuff you're already yeah, supposed to know about. Yeah, that's actually a good point. And I feel mm-hmm. like in the olden days when most movies were standalones, that wasn't an issue, but maybe maybe it's just that people are – there's like an anxiety, oh, am I supposed to know about that? I don't know about it yet. Am I missing something? Which I can understand. Yeah. Uh, sort of as, story FOMO. Anyway. Exactly. <laughs> which which is also the, the, name of a, the name of a Star Wars bounty hunter. <laughs> 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 uh, so the king has everyone mining Eternium to make this crown or maybe that I, I couldn't tell if the crown was already made and needed more to fuel it or if he's just anyway uh but a slave in the pits finds some eternium and tries to hide it but is killed by the king's guard and there's a kid who sees this and he's like we should be free we need a hero and uh he's told by a grown-up his dad i guess it's hopeless it's hopeless but the kid steals that lump of eternium and runs off and he holds it up on a cliff and all the slaves are like yeah 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 and the king is like uh <laughs> execute that kid and we are <laughs> and, the kid, to- and the kid starts this new like hand gesture that it's symbolizes freedom but it looks very similar to either a triforce or diamond alice page's diamond cutter sign which is yes. a different wrestler <laughs> that's true 
<laughs> you think this this was this was Dwayne Johnson like kind of sticking it to Diamond yeah, Dallas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I own this now, and uh, we are led to believe. And I spoiler alert: this will turn out to be a, a misdirect. We're led to believe that the kid is teleported away at the last minute. Uh, oh, actually, I guess that does that is what it happens. That does yeah. happen, which is part of what's confusing about but it. But it's more complicated yeah. later. That he's teleported away at the last minute to the Council of Wizards, featuring the Wizard Shazam, who we've seen in the movie Shazam, and the Wizard and, of Id. Who and, is, that would be great. <laughs> Wizard of Ed is there too. Yeah. And, and Rock is there. <laughs> yeah, and, and the Wiz is there because nobody beats him. You know, he's with great prices on electronics. And <laughs> uh, and so this is, uh, he's given this, the powers of various Egyptian gods. Now, as you know, Shaz- Captain Marvel gets his powers from Shazam. The strength of Solomon, uh, the wisdom of Solomon. How Solomon was actually physically very weak. Wisdom of Solomon, <laughs> strength of Hercules, strength of Atlas. I guess lightning of Zeus, strength of Achilles, maybe, and the speed of Mercury. And but here, because this is kind of an ancient Egyptian type t- type time, he gets Egyptian gods, which the stamina of Shu, the speed of Heru, the strength of Amon, the wisdom of Zahudi, the power of Aten, and the courage of Mehen. Which makes me wonder: Are they just really lucky that there's more than one pantheon that has enough <laughs> gods in it to fill out the yeah. acronym Shazam? Well, that's it, the thing. If you, your pantheon isn't if your pantheon isn't big enough, you don't get a Shazam. And to be honest, now that I think about it, Solomon and Zeus are not in the same pantheon. So Solomon was a, is Jewish and, and Zeus is is Greek. So, but it's but yeah, are they just like is there? I just have to wonder how many other types of religions they've tried to retrofit into the name Shazam because <laughs> the wizard is like we're still using my name, we're still using it, we're not yeah, using yeah. any other magic words. Anyway, uh, they give him the powers. Uh, the king's already made the crown. Black Adam or or, or the the kid with the with the powers. Uh, now he looks like. Dwayne the Rock Johnson, he shows up and causes a battle. Uh, Black Adam wins. The crown is hidden. The battle crumbles. The 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 royal destroys temple, the whole it destroys the whole town. Basically. Destroys the yeah. whole town, and the champion disappears. Okay, that was five thousand years ago. Time to go to the present day. We're back in Kondak, which is now ruled by Intergang. Hey, do we learn that by characters talking to each other? No, still voiceover. We're still <laughs> with the voiceover. Uh, Intergang, of course, is a is an international criminal organization that in the comics, for some reason, was working for Darkseid for a long time. It always seemed kind of lowball to me. That's pretty cool. <laughs> for Darkseid to be sending weapons to mobsters. But, I got to okay. admit, I, I zoned out a little bit on some of this and for, for a while until later in the movie... I, like I briefly thought that this was just an occupying force from the U.S. because uh-huh. you know later on uh, the Justice Society shows up to protect their like interests in the region, I guess. And so I was like, "Oh wow, this movie's like going a little harder than I expected in terms of like I don't know making the uh, U.S. the villains. Instead, they're more like just kind of misguided. Uh, I don't know, like the whole international, like the fact that. Uh, Black Adam is this more militant superhero based on like the exploitation of his people and trying to protect them. Like you said earlier, Elliot, could be interesting, but they do their best to soften it at every turn, despite having him, as you mentioned, like kill a bunch of people. Like they're well, all. I think- yeah, the, the people he kills directly are all terrorists, you know, and and we're all like, and, and many of them are trying to kill him, yeah. yeah, or trying to kill a kid, and and I think the thing is the JSA, the movie also does not want you to come out too much on the side of Adam because they don't want the JSA to be villains, even though mm-hmm. the JSA, when we get to them, are basically just going in to beat the shit out of a guy they've never yes. met. Because, yeah, and, they're blundering and doing, around in another country. <laughs> yes, exactly. And there's and A like, country that they 
let a criminal gang run Take over until for years. until a magic guy shows up then they're yeah. like okay we got to beat that dude up. and so, and they kind of and they bring that up in the movie but they can't yeah. go all the way with it because they still want to spin it off i assume into a JSA movie so it's like i wish they had been able to go all the way with their portrayal and, uh, of the JSA how's that you know? how's that how's that looking how's what's i think how's it's JSA not ever going to happen okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, so okay uh, Am I going to see my buddy the Atom Smasher ever again? <laughs> Sorry, and I don't know that you will. I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I want. I, I would love to see more Aldous Hodge. I love that guy. He's great. Yeah, he's great. Well, we'll get but... to we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay, so uh, we're introduced to one of our heroes. This is Amon, who is a kid who skateboards around town listening to the Smashing Pumpkins because as the opening <laughs> of the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie shows us, kids in any era just love the same music that the person <laughs> making the movie thinks is cool. Ella, you have to the understand, night. the world is a vampire. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, and and he and despite all his That's rage, he is literally a rat in a cage right now. I mean, it's offensive to refer to him as a rat. Yes. But he is caged <laughs> yes. by Intergang. Uh, so he uh, he's so there's a van that gets stopped at a checkpoint, uh, and the kid shows up and starts talking back to the guards and calling him a neo imperialist oppressor. Uh, we know the kid has a backpack full of DC comics. Later, see his his room is covered in DC posters, and then he runs away. And that he's distracted. Is it, the guard. Is it weird that in this universe that there's like posters? of an artist's drawing of Batman. I think it would be uh, if it wasn't that kids put up posters of athletes who are real people, you know. I guess you're right. But it is a little weird that uh, he seems to exist in a world where the heroes are real and are also trademarked IP. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Marvel's been doing that too. With no, like in I their movies, right. there's like also comic books. and the thing. Like I keep watching these things and I, I'm like, but where's the movie where... Like, it's like a Marvel movie, and there's still DC Comics in it. But it's like, oh, but these are just made-up characters. <laughs> <laughs> we invented funny. some new superheroes. <laughs> I mean, in one of the Spider-Man movies, she, remember Aunt May goes, you're not Superman. But mm. uh, the, I, there is a – I will say, Dan, I'll buy it more from Marvel because it's – since the 60s, it's been part of the Marvel Universe that the Marvel Universe also has comic books in it about those characters. And yeah. the idea is that the comics that you are reading are like – it are, be, are adventures that – Jack Kirby and Stanley or whoever like kind of adapted from real events or something like they're that. They're the Doctor Watson of that uh, universe. Exactly, uh, but it's a little silly. So, uh, so I didn't know if the, so that van gets through, but it's smuggling someone in it. The the kid's mother, an archaeologist named Adriana, Adriana Tomas, and I couldn't tell. The kid is not part of that plan to smuggle the van through, right? It's just I a coincidence he, that he helps he his is. mom's van. I think he is, and it's like revealed later. It's it's. Because later like, she, he's like, let me come with you. And she's like, no, no, I don't want you getting involved. But Right. Uh, no, it is it is confusing. It, 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 it seems like he must be because then he's talking to her within minutes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think so, it's so, to establish those characters and yeah. to establish their relationship. Yes. And so that's his mom. She's an archaeologist who I guess is not supposed to intergang, has an arrest on site. Order of war, and she has an Eternium necklace. It's a family heirloom, and she and her Must brother. Be nice. who, who, yeah, tell me about it. She and uh, her brother uh, Kareem, who is the comedy relief big guy who sings to old pop hits. Uh, he say, he sings loudly to to Baby Come Back a couple times, uh, and her another character whose name I don't remember, and also another character named Ishmael, who is almost instantly is that what we clear that call him, or should we call him something else? Uh, no, he, he told me he, we can call him that. Yeah, that, okay, it's cool. okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, the, it's almost instantly clear that Ishmael is a sinister character. They're going out into the desert to these mining pits uh, where Eternium is being looked for, I guess, and they think they know the location of the crown oh, of Sabah. Oh, yeah. 
And oh, she, the, uh, the 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 uh, archaeologist is played by Sarah Shahi, yes. who is in one of those USA shows, right? Well, uh, not USA, no, but I I understand Contact. why you think that. It's Life, the the Damian Lewis uh, right so mystery a lot show, of the, uh, and her brother this, is uh, Mo Ammer, the stand-up. Okay, I didn't know oh, a wow. lot of the a lot of the actors in this are like have done a lot of TV work, and I don't watch a lot of TV, uh, so I didn't recognize them. I it's apologize. the new movies, dude. Um, That's what I heard. Yeah, I heard it too. I also heard it's the new novels. It's not true. Uh, so she wants to find the crown of Sabak, which has been sitting there for thousands of years untouched, so that she can hide it somewhere else because she thinks Guys, nobody should have it. Sarah Shahi was also in Flophouse Classic, Bullet to the Head. Oh, <laughs> really? I forgot about that. Okay. She's uh, also in so like Sex Lives of Something Something or something like that. Sex okay. Lives the, of the, the, DC Heroes. Oh, videotapes? <laughs> sex Lives yeah. of Videotapes. <laughs> Sex uh, so, lives of videotapes. So yeah. they go to the they go to this excavation site. It's uh, <laughs> sorry, I sorry, I, I have to say, it's not sex lives of anything. It's sex slash life. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> is the name of the. All right, so, okay. You can choose one or the other. It's about uh, two topics. <laughs> uh, I picked the sex wrong one. I picked the wrong door. <laughs> it was just a, it was just life cereal. Too bad. Mm -hmm. Behind the other door was a lot of sex. Sorry. <laughs> just that's laying around. Not kid tested or mother approved. <laughs> oh, that's kicks. I guess that's not life. That's kicks. I run. That's so anyway. Uh, so they find uh, the inter intergang is showing up, but uh, uh, Adriana and Ishmael they manage to find the tomb of this hero that Kondak has been waiting for forever, and the crown is just floating in the air above it, and she yeah. jumps up and gets it. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the mercenaries, uh, they they kill one of the members of the group, the one whose name I can't remember, uh, and then they kidnap her brother. Uh, they threaten her. They say, uh, we'll kill your brother unless you give us the crown, and she gives the crown to them. But then she reads the inscription on this hero's tomb, and it glows and explodes. And who should come out but a shrouded figure who we'll soon learn is Teth Adam. That's right. Yeah the legendary hero, or so we believe, and he appears and he just melts a terrorist with his electro-touch and he's just jumping around killing the shit out of terrorists. Like, he's just he's just snapping their necks and hurling them into walls and blasting them with like, with, with beams and stuff. Now, I want to say, Black Adam, our hero... Uh -huh. Teth Adam. He's not called Black Adam. Adam yet. He shows up... Uh, we're 18 minutes into this film. <laughs> this film is a little over two hours long. And... I would argue that the first 20 or so minutes could almost entirely be cut <laughs> with no consequence. You just like, like maybe a little bit of archaeologist fun, yeah. Sarah Shahi going in here. We don't know why she is like set upon by, you know, evil folk. And then we're off to the races. Like yeah, so much of this is just throat clearing yeah, up right. until yes. now. And, you're, and also often unanswered questions get us more intrigued in the movie that we're watching. Not always, yeah. because uh, uh, the sometimes the payoff is non-existent. But in this case, it's really like, she also explains while she's doing it about the hero of Kondok, and it's like, yeah, we saw the opening. Did you not see the opening? That's right, you were hidden inside of a van, so you didn't see yeah. the opening of the, of the movie. <clears throat> also, none of this time, like arguably like the little like bit with like him, like the kid skateboarding around, like none of this time has been used to endear us to these characters or like let us know who they are as people at all. Like we don't care about anyone that we've seen so far because we know that like we can tell that like this woman is going to be somewhat important to the plot, although character-wise she's given nothing. But like none of these are characters that we think are going to be important to a movie called Black Adam. 
and we've been spending all our time with them and learning nothing about them to yeah. make us care about them anymore. Well, guess what, Dan? Because luckily, you're gonna, you're, you're, you're. What's gonna answer that is a long action sequence <laughs> where Teth Adam is just murdering people and throwing helicopters at them in slow mo while the Rolling Stones people? paint it black t- plays uh, and. Our heroes warn him just in time for him to catch a rocket that has Eternium written on the side of it, which is hilarious. Yeah, like as if yeah. nuclear weapons just yeah. say uranium on the side. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, Bullets say chain. lead on the side, right? <laughs> and when it blows up, it, uh, it knocks him out and makes him all electro-crackly. It gives him a wound that crackles electricity. And uh, some mercenaries on Sky Cycles, they call in to Ishmael, who it turns out is a bad guy who called in the mercenaries. And he's like, blah, 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 I'm mad. So anyway, now... Guess okay. So we've introduced our main characters. They have an unconscious Teth Adam. It's time to find out what happens when Teth Adam awakes in the present, right, and meets the real world. Nope, because first Amanda Waller, our favorite connecting tissue character of the DCU, uh-huh. is talking to Carter Hall. That's right, played by uh, Aldous Hodge. Aldous Hodge, yeah. About there's a new loose cannon out there, and we've got to take him down. And there's all these news reports playing about uh, Teth Adam, and it's like. When did the news cameras get to this? Yeah. This get to this battle inside yes. a terrorist-controlled foreign country. This is yes. nuts. And How also, like the they so quickly are just like, hey, this new guy showed up. He's a loose cannon. We got to deal with him, and that's it. And then they just start like battling, yeah. and they yeah. spent so much time explaining other bullshit. Well, no, yeah, but they do, but they don't. I would like to postulate. So the first twenty minutes could be gone entirely. But then we are, like, I don't know if it's right here, but it's, it's close to here that we are introduced in rapid succession to all of the Justice yes. Society. This is right here, yeah. And they none of them are given, like, a proper introduction. They're given, like, like people are just, like, talking about them on the phone. There's no f- yeah. really, like, funny character moment for any of them. And as Audrey points out, like, this is the good stuff, like, as- like assembling a team, like, like meeting the team. That's... Some of the fun stuff. The and most exciting part is when Henry Winkler shows up in a video call. Yes, <laughs> yes it is. He That's literally most, phones in his performance. <laughs> that is the most exciting part of the movie. So if, we meet the guys. <laughs> if they had just cast Henry Winkler as Adam Smasher and he had been Adam Smasher in this movie, it uh, might have been better. <laughs> that would have been fantastic. And he's like, "Oi, my back." <laughs> I, I I feel sometimes like these movies are the are like games where you're allotting resources, like different yeah. places. And I feel like if the movie's resources could be measured in minutes, as it can, yeah. you know, we like we spent twenty minutes on bullshit. And then we like zoom through like these characters that we're expected to care about so quickly. We know nothing about them. Like four or five yes. of them are introduced in this movie. Like usually in like a Marvel movie, they'll introduce a secondary character like one in someone else's movie to give them a little area to breathe. It's just insane to me. Well, Sorry. and well, I think I when you talk about allotting resources, I think you're exactly right because I wouldn't be surprised if Dwayne Johnson was like. These characters can't have more time than me. This is the movie Black Adam starring Dwayne Johnson. So if you're going to introduce these other new characters, it's got to be super clear that they are not as important as me and they cannot get a lot of time on screen. (laughs) And then they get a surprising amount of time on screen. But none of it is for – you're right. It doesn't – they're like, hey, here's Quintessa. She's Cyclone. We won't talk about where her powers are. Who gives a shit? Here's Adam Smasher. He's the nephew of the original Adam Smasher who's Henry Winkler. Anyway, who cares what he does? I don't give a fuck. Let's get to (laughs) Dr. Fate. It's Pierce Brosnan. What does he do? I don't know. He wears a helmet or some shit. Uh, He and I are friends from a long time past. Maybe I don't know. Anyway, I'm Hawkman. Uh, what's we're the Justice Society? Let's get moving. And that's the that's basically what yeah. that feels like. Yeah. 
Yeah. And they, but they also come off, and as a result, that's they their, come that's off. That's their catchphrase, right? Let's get moving. <laughs> well, the, their, catchphrase should be, we're the, their catchphrase should be, we're the B team, because they feel very much from the get-go, like this yeah. is the Justice League B team. Which could be funny. If yes. they had been like, we're the B team because the A team is too busy fighting Darkseid or some garbage, yeah. at least we would be like, okay, that's pretty funny. They, yeah. That gives them a little bit of character and personality that they're and like- if you want to, And if you want to, it doesn't fit with continuity because none of them are members of the JSA. But like, if you wanted to establish more connections to other movies, like throw a Suicide Squad member on there. Like that's the kind of person Amanda Walter, um, Walter Amanda Waller has control of <laughs> and can send yeah. after these things. That's why you, they exist. You're thinking of on Amanda Walter Pond. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. When 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 Henry David Thoreau spent his time at Amanda Walden Pond, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so uh, now uh, Teth Adam, he's asleep. He has a flashback uh, to being a kid. We think it's him anyway. And he wakes up in that skater kid's room. He heals his own wound with his fingers. And the kid is like, "Hey, dude, you've been in a tomb for five thousand years." And he walks out. Uh, the kid's uncle is wearing the crown of Sabak just as a goof on his head, which it's one of those <clears> things where it's like it's an evil artifact of untold power that yeah. corrupts instantly. But he can just kind of sit around and with it's it. Apparently it's apparently like it's pretty heavy too. Well, I, yeah, I, I mean, I could buy this if like he was a skeptic, but they went out specifically to find it, and also then woke up a man who like flew around and shot lightning at people. Like he should. Yeah. Worry about whether and was throwing found helicopters it. around and yeah. found the found the crown floating in the air. Yeah, yeah. Well, he wasn't there for that part, but yeah, she could tell him about it. She probably uh, anyway, told him. <laughs> uh, the, the kid takes this moment to inform. Probably told about it. Yeah, takes this moment would to not inform. Believe where this crown was <laughs> <laughs> in his butt? No. Why is that the first place he would go to? I wouldn't go to Every his time. butt first to look for a crown, but you did apparently. No, that's not. So uh, the kid tells him the history of Kondok and Intergang, which we've heard a couple times already. And uh, Teth Adam blasts their TV and tells them, why don't you go destroy your enemies and then make them beg for mercy? And the kid is like, yeah. And the mom is like, the archaeologist is like, I don't like violence, but I do want a champion of freedom. Uh, and By the way, the casualness with which— They are all dealing with him? The, well, I was going to say the house gets destroyed over the oh, course yeah, of this too. movie. Really disturbed me. And I, I understand that, like— also, people get murdered. Arguably, I should care more about these fictional murders than these fictional possessions. But it, I, I think that there's too often in movies like a supposedly heroic character walks around destroying things yeah. as a goof, and we're supposed to laugh <laughs> at it. And I keep thinking, yeah, like, people over property, says Dan McCoy. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying that the hero. I mean, but you do uh, believe the, people over property. The hero right? of the movie. <laughs> is destroying another hero of the movie's house. And there's never anyone who's saying like, hey, 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 stop it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, re yeah. could you, you've got super strength and super speed. Can you rebuild this? Can you help us out? At like, the very least, a, a Shia LaBeouf style, no, 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 would be called for <laughs> as he just casually yeah, wrecks their apartment. And just it reminds like me of- floats through walls and such. It reminds me of this, of the, and there's a joke about it later where Dr. Fate goes, did they not, they didn't have doors in your time? Because he just always enters through a wall. But it reminds me of the season of Modern Family that turned me off of that show where at least two times in the season, characters got into car accidents and the rest of the episode was not about what am I going to do without a car now? It was just kind of like a funny thing that happened and they just 
it magically uh-huh. had a new car. I can't I can't sympathize with somebody who, where a car accident doesn't totally throw their life off track. If, anyway, if your car accident doesn't lead you into a weird like psychosexual adventure where you start having sex with Elias Codius and whatnot, mm, good point. <laughs> I'm not into it. Can't sympathize with it. Can't, that's not true to life. If not, yeah. So uh, so uh, Teth Adam he flies out. The kid uh, in one of the silliest moments. Uh, lifts up one of it, what, like a filing cabinet to reveal a secret escape route out of his yes. room. <laughs> and and it takes that escape shoot and he keeps saying, Teth Adam, come on, you've got to become a famous superhero. Let's do this. You need a catchphrase. It is, all of that did not it work is, for me. It uh, is like, hey, y'all, uh, why don't you just want like Edward Furlong and yes. Arnold Schwarzenegger did this so much better. This is exactly yes. what I yes. wanted to say. Like they 100% were like, this is going to be a Terminator 2 relationship. Yeah. Yes. And uh, the JSA, they head to Condock. Doctor Fate has misgivings because he can tell, he can see the future, and he sees Hawkman screaming in pain. I can't and, believe and he, all of the futures because, like, I was watching this movie, like, this can't be the ideal way to do all of this. Like, if you have a man who's constantly seeing the future with you, I don't, I don't know. It opened up a lot of questions that the, that Black Adam didn't answer for me, and was not I, interested in answering. <laughs> I, and, I can't believe that, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> who is portraying a robot man. Yeah. A cyborg. Has, has more, like, soul and pathos to him than Dwayne Johnson, who's playing a superhero who, at this point, we know is driven exclusively by rage. Oh, I no. think a part of that is Dwayne Johnson, I mean, desperately wants to be the new Arnold Schwarzenegger. And as much charisma as he has, he does not have that inborn charisma that Arnold Schwarzenegger has. At least I haven't seen it. But the other difference is that Terminator and Terminator 2 are written and directed by James Cameron, a master storyteller, pretty much, <laughs> yeah. for that kind of story. And this was written by, I have to assume, a committee of who knows how many dozens of people and directed uh, by the director of Orphan. So I, it's a, it's not quite the same. You know? Now, come on, hold on. I, I, Jean Colette Sarah, I will stand up for as a uh, vulgar auteur. Uh, he's for, fine, he's, for but he's not James Cameron. Orphan, yeah, not James Cameron. For Orphan and for, he made a lot of like good... Uh, geezer films with uh, Liam Neeson. <laughs> Liam Neeson. But I did, yeah, I did look up, there's like a writing team <laughs> who like, this is their films. only big uh, credit. And I assume that they their stuff got rewritten by the guy that has a bigger filmography of, I apologize, I'm sure you're a nice man, like nonsense. Uh, he's got Scoob, exclamation point, Rampage, which is okay, not... Great. Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Road Chip, uh, Due Date, and Maid of Honor, M-A-D-E. We all recall uh, that man who was Maid of Honor. He was, he was created for yeah, yeah, Honor. Created out, it's like virtuosity. Made, <laughs> he was created honor. out of energy. <laughs> um, and so, I don't know. <laughs> that might be part of the problem. I mean, I don't know. If, I, I, would, I would go as far as to not blame any of the writers involved because any movie like this is going to have so much executive meddling and there's going to be so many true. other uncredited people who are brought on to do writing passes or to do punch-ups it's or brainstorming true. sessions or it, it's such a this is the this is like a definition of a movie made by committee that has the thing, the reason that James Gunn's superhero movies are so successful is they have such a specific voice and sensibility to them and this movie ha- does not have any voice or sensibility to it like it it, no. it it feels like it was made by a machine and a machine without the charisma of of the terminator which mm-hmm. who has a surprise amount of charisma for a Terminator machine? Exactly. Okay, back so, around. Uh, Teth Adam is floating around town. There is a colossal statue of the of the ancient champion. It's like it's enormous. It's got to be what five hundred feet tall, almost a thousand feet tall. It's huge. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, 
and the skateboard kid is following him. And then the kid kind of deliberately antagonizes some intergang soldiers and starts making that ancient triangle hand signal, which everybody recognizes. Yeah. <laughs> and the inter- the internet gang guys tackle him and the uh, and recognize his mom when she intervenes. And that's when Teth Adam drops in and saves them. Uh, he has kind of an he has a Neo Morricone scored Sa- standoff. Saves them is a very nice way of putting it. <laughs> I mean, he kills a lot of people. Uh, it's it's also like there's a part where he's a, a intergang guy is, has his hand, they do a western standoff because he yeah. saw a couple seconds of the good the bad and the ugly on a tv screen earlier thus ripping off robocop and any other movie where someone sees something on a tv and then does uh-huh. it back uh, to the future three well, another yeah. robot that has more soul <laughs> well also like this it's movie amazing just... how those are movies also about like robocop is explicitly about a man who has been turned into a machine and has to regain his soul and even when he's a machine yeah he has more soul than black adam does but also this Western moment, like this is not a thing that has been given up weight the first time around that we saw it no. for the callback to land at all. It was just and like also, a thing that was on the TV. And it is a pointless standoff because if the soldier shoots him first, Black Adam will catch the bullet, hurl it as fast as he can into the soldier's <laughs> head and murder him. Like there's no the, – the idea that this is a standoff in any sense when Black I, Adam could just take him out is it not in any danger is I do have crazy. a question. Do you think that there were anybody in the movie theater watching Black Adam who no. would see these scenes? No. <laughs> who would see these scenes of Black Adam murdering a bunch of like mercs and be like, awesome? I think. <laughs> like, they, I mean, that's what they're hoping. Uh, maybe, for. maybe I just got done. Wa- it's because I just got done watching RRR, and there's scenes where guys are like riding on each other's shoulders, blasting dudes with bolt action rifles while mm-hmm. doing flips and crap, or like shooting a guy off his horse midair and then landing on that same horse in the <laughs> same jump and then riding it around. What a movie! Okay, that's how you what do a, a fucking action sequence. Yeah. Uh, but like, I feel like I mean, a man, a man goes one on one against a tiger. There is, like, come on. there is a there's a thing I and I'm sure it's not exclusive to the DC movies, but there seems to be a certain like love of doing these like hyper fast, hyper strong guys just like annihilating people, and it's well, so boring because it's because it's it's a because that's it's the most basic without any subtext or any gloss power fantasy, and I can imagine, and certainly. When I was a younger man and I was mad at the world and I felt like nothing ever went my way and before I embarked on a successful television writing career and received a number of lucky breaks that I'm very thankful for, it's, I, I certainly fantasized about being the kind of figure that could just bulldoze its way through any situation and mm-hmm. was untouchable. And I think even more than the violence of it, it's the invulnerability of it and the untouchability of it yeah. that is so that is so appealing and so endearing. The same way that like, why did I idolize Boba Fett when I was young, even though objectively he's crap at his job and can't do anything right because- he has a fucking sick fit on, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and he has this aura of, you don't know me. You can't tell what's going on with me. I'm untouchable. And so I think there's a Am lot I of Am I a robot? Maybe. You don't know this yet. <laughs> you don't know it. I mean, IG-88, you know he's a robot. He doesn't even wear a helmet. Yeah, like, look how skinny on. he is. He's got to be a robot. <laughs> no way a, a person can't fit in that. I mean, maybe some kind of weird stick and psych alien Jones guy. Doug is like, fuck you say. I can fit into an IG-88 <laughs> costume. <laughs> then Doug, uh, legendary, All right, Doug, let's see it. 20 bucks. <laughs> legendary performer Doug Jones died 
died today, squeezing his own body to death as he tried to put on a homemade IG-88 costume to answer a challenge put forth oh, to him by podcaster uh, Stuart Wellington. All of, all of Hollywood has dimmed its lights <laughs> to recognize the tragic death of Doug Jones in a challenge. Uh, here's a statement from the International, uh, uh, the International Association of Performers Who Play Monsters and Stuff, President Andy Serkis. We salute Doug Jones and we're glad that he died doing what he loved, trying to be a weirdo creature. If only we had the strength of character to do the same, we would all have died a long time ago. A weird stance for Andy Serkis to take to approve of this action. Single but what do, tear what do you, runs down Ron Perlman's face. But what, what do you expect from Lord Snoke himself? Anyway, so... Uh, anyway, so, uh, but I think that's here that they are playing so hard in that para fantasy of someone who can just do whatever they want and they're almost unstoppable, but there's no, there's nothing else to hide it. It's a weird, uh, metaphor for a big action star who refuses to lose in fights. Yes, exactly. And also, in a weird, it's a metaphor for what this franchise and what this company wants to be. When mm. Warner Brothers is a company that's having a lot of trouble right now, and they wish that they were the unstoppable entertainment juggernaut that Disney and Marvel are, and that you could, and like they just can't pull it off. But at least in their movies, their characters can just mow their way through bad guys. It's kind of like the way Superman was portrayed in Justice League in the Zack Snyder cut. Where Absolutely. It's, where it's like, oh, he's can never be hurt, and he just punches a bad guy in the face until they're dead, and Wonder Woman cuts his head off, and that's and that's all he has to do, and that's what makes him yeah. great. Not that he stands for anything, but that he's just powerful. And here, I guess the idea is that this movie is the journey of Teth Adam towards standing for some kind of principle. But anyway, uh, the JSA— But even at one, the end, he's like, I will solve my problems through punching. <laughs> yeah. The, the JSA shows up, and Hawkman saves two mercenaries that— uh, that Teth Adam tried to kill, and the crowd boos him, which, understandably, I would too. If my if I lived in a country that was under a brutal, violent dictatorship, and some guy from a, from America came in in a hawk costume, which looks a little <laughs> Nazi-ish, and holding a holding a spiked mace, and saved two of the bad guys who had been shooting at a kid, I'd boo him too. I would wonder what what side he was on, and. Uh, Adam kills them anyway, and the chat crowd cheers. And Doctor Fate shows up, and this is the weird part. Okay, Teth Adam. He is a man from 5,000 years ago. And the JSA later make it clear they know this. They know more about him than our other characters know. They know he is super powerful and very violent and that he's just woken up. Instead of coming to him and saying, we hey, we're super beings too. We want to talk to you about something. Dr. Fate comes in and says, you can't exist in this world. Kneel or die. Which seems like the, the exactly the right way to exactly. get Black Adam's backup. Yeah, it, it seemed, it's nuts. And it's so out of yeah. keeping with, with Dr. Like, Fate. Like, we and, know uh, this guy's backstory. At no point was he cool about kneeling. <laughs> no. Kind of his whole deal was not kneeling for this now, king. as we were watching this, you know, there were a lot of questions coming my way because, you know, Audrey correctly identified me as a nerd. But I was like, mm-hmm. no, I'm sorry. I don't know DC characters that much. I know Marvel characters more. Uh, I was like looking like, stuff up. What about like Batman and Superman? I know Batman and Superman. Yes, arguably well, even, the two if- best known <laughs> What about uh, what about uh, the metalloids or whatever? The metalloids. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who those are. But <laughs> but I, I, Dan, you, Dan know. you know all the DC heroes: Prez, Shade, the Changing Man, Ragdoll, <laughs> or whatever his name is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I like looked up Doctor Fate. I'm like, I guess he's kind of like a DC Doctor Strange analog in that they're both sorcerers. And Audrey had not seen the first Doctor Strange. She's familiar with him from later movies that I've. 
scene with her, but she, she's like, what's, what's his doctorate? And I'm like, oh no, he's a metal, medical doctor. He, you know, he was a surgeon. And then she's like, what's Dr. Fate's doctorate? And I looked it up and I'm like, oh, he's, he's just, you know, it's just a cool name. It's just <laughs> yeah, a cool he's name. Really he's, a he, it's, it's a stolen pretty valor. cool name. Yeah. It's what it is. He, and he has, he has a magic alien helmet or something like mm-hmm. that. So that's, there's a big fight. Dr. Fate does a lot of Dr. Strange type mm-hmm. magic. It looks pretty cool. I have to say, Dr. Fate's magic throughout the movie, I thought looked really neat. And when Cyclone shows up, there's some like slow motion color, you know, effects. Yeah, do with her although Cyclone, arguably maybe the least in this movie, <laughs> like in terms of yeah. any sort of impact that the character yeah. makes. I'm like, I've watched all of Black Adam. I still have no idea what. Well, her so deal because is. the JSA, the JSA, they do fall into easily slotted characterizations. Hawkman is the leader who is kind of militaristic in a way mm-hmm. and is not. He'd rather go in and fight than kind of, and as he says many times, they keep bringing it up, a bad plan is better than no plan, you know. Yeah. Uh, and force is usually his first choice. Dr. Fate is the mystical kind of scientist intellectual archaeologist guy who provides mm. information and has a goatee. Adam Smasher is the doof. He's just the big clumsy doof who's always fucking and, up all the and time. The, like, and he's like a rookie. He's like he's a rookie. He, well, yeah. This is another thing I want. And at I, one point, is able Adam to procure Smash. a uh, is able to procure a bucket of fried chicken for a sight gag in the middle of battle weary <laughs> conduct. And Cyclone is is like the character who is super smart and super poised, but otherwise has no personality and is kind of just kind of there. But is a is a commendable character, but is not an interesting character. Yeah, you know. I want to talk about for a moment to Adam Smasher, who is, as you say, a doof, yeah. and and his power is that he can grow enormous. He can and grow the, enormous. And the, and the he's si- half and, an Ant Man. He cannot shrink. <laughs> he can only he can be giant. Big. And the and I have to say, and again, the effects with him look great. And mm-hmm. there are times when he's blundering around, and I'm like, it is cool to. It always is cool to see a giant person bumping it. You know, picking up cars. And yeah, stuff like and that. maybe in another project, like I'm watching. Uh, the Recruit on Netflix starring Noah okay. Centino. The same guy plays Adam Smasher. I'm not going to make like big. Can uh, he get super large in that one too? No, but he's pretty good. Is that in show it. about how they recruited him to be Adam Smasher? I, I'm just saying. I think he could be funny in something else. Here, it's like what? Like I think because he is similar to Ant Man in his powers, they're also. Kind of like, okay, well, he got his suit from his uncle, and he also is like a bumbling doofus. But with Ant-Man, like, you understand why he's Ant-Man in spite of the fact that he is unqualified for the job. For this, as part of a team that is sent in by, like, the government, I'm like, why is this guy on here? Because his uncle has a suit? Like, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. Yeah, it, it really, he's not qualified for this mission. He seems to have had no training. And that's the other thing. Except for Hawkman and and uh, Dr. Fate, none of the JSA members have met each other before today. So <laughs> it 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 makes sense, it would make more sense for Amanda Waller to send in people who know each other's names and have met each other. I yeah. guess they, just, they got to know each other on the flight over. And there's a or number again, of scenes like, throughout the if movie. They had, if they had made an effort to be like, if they like lost the first fight against Black Adam and they made a point of being like, oh yeah, because we didn't know how to work as a team yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But they don't really do that either. Anyway, they do lose the first fight against Black Adam. He knocks out Adam Smasher with one punch and Adam Smasher continues to be a doof throughout and the crowd chants for Teth Adam and he oh, flies man. If, away. If Mark Miller had written this scene, he would have like punched through Adam Smasher's head. <laughs> he would have or he would have like punched so hard he would go through Adam Smasher's bowels and all this giant shit would fall all over the city and drown people. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. yeah. 
that's Mark Miller's way of doing things. He's gross. Do you uh, think so that the shit he's grows like the Cormac big McCarthy too, of comics? Just the, just the living tissue. Like, is there just that's like a really a good very question. small amount of like shit the bacteria the inside now. his little tum- tummy? Yeah. yeah. Did that? Well, that. Uh, so it's then, is he clear. constantly hungry? Then, that, if that's the case, when he's giant, is he constantly hungry because there's not enough food to fuel him? Mm-hmm. It's, did we ever have this discussion about if the Hulk eats a lot of food and then changes back to Bruce Banner? <laughs> if Bruce Banner's stomach gets distended and has trouble pooping no, out all that's that great. poop? <laughs> okay, well, then I must have had that debate with somebody that's, else. That I'm should, just going to say why it's sneak that into a kind of thing he and I talk about. season. I mean, that sounds great. Yeah, so he's uh, so. And if anyone knows the answer, just write into the flop house that the Hulk eats a lot and then changes back to Bruce Banner. How does that affect yeah. Bruce Banner? Yeah. So um, our, that the, covers uh, so, that covers all characters who morph. By the way, not yes. just the Hulk. Not other characters the Hulk. do well, the morph. Everybody's morphing these days, which yeah. is a reference <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> Elliot knows, but it's a reference to a video from 25 years ago. I think that we used to watch at the in the Daily Show writers' yeah. room. Yeah, uh, everybody's morphing these days. Yeah, uh, so so uh, uh, Adriana, the archaeologist mom, she chews out the GS- JSA. She's like, "Oh, you never showed up until now. You never tried to help us, but now when a powerful guy who might help us shows up, you try to get rid of him." And her son skates away with the crown. He's got the crown. I don't remember how they got it back. And Hawkman says, hey, by the way, we have secret texts that you've never seen that say Teth Adam's rage was what destroyed Kondok thousands of years ago. She instantly accepts this as the truth when anyone else would be like, bullshit, show show me that. The guys who just showed up and have never been here before have sacred texts that I, a native archaeologist, have never seen that talk about this. Come on. But she just takes it as granted. They all go to the castle ruins where where Teth Adam is and— so the, I hope you guys like this fucking ruined throne room set mm. because so much of the movie keeps coming <laughs> back here. It yeah. felt a lot like a fucking level of the Injustice fighting video game where you would like fight in a level, punch somebody into a completely different level, but then you'd always end up back on the original level after like punching someone to the fucking moon because that basically is what happens in the movie. Yes, and this and – this- ruined temple or castle is in the center of the town, basically, right? Like, mm. it was hard for me to keep track of the geography, but it seems like it's just kind of in the center of, of Kondok, which Kondok, is Kondok a city or is it a country? Yeah, or, I like, couldn't tell if it was like a city-state. Mm. Yeah, some kind of city-state, like a Singapore or something, but like it's Madripoor. very Like Madripoor? Yeah, or Madripoor, all the pores. But it shows you it shows you how little thought has been given into where this takes place. And it's like the difference with a movie like Black Panther is they clearly put a fair amount of thought into like what is Wakanda? How does it operate? Whereas yeah. with Kondok, it is so they've done none of that, and it takes what could be interesting, which is like a superhero story told from a non-American, non-Western civilization point of view, and it does not a non-Judeo-Christian, I assume, point of view, and like it does doesn't they didn't do the work, like they yeah. didn't care enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, know. and and those as we've already said, those are ideas that we were all excited about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, to have a, I mean, if you told me the basic premise of the movie, I'd be like, yeah, I want to see that. I want to see a superhero movie that where the hero off, off, he acts off of different cultural assumptions and different loyalties than Superman. But and they highlight the fact that Western superheroes only care when it might be a threat to their own interests, but yes. they do it in the in the like the idea of their universal good, which whatever. Well, and that and that the JSA by virtue of being from the West has the right to go into another to tell anyone who has superpowers yeah. go to jail or you're or you're done for it you know so they're they're in the ruined temple throne room or castle throne room and um, and uh Adriana's like hey 
Adam, you've got some explaining to do. Here's the story the JSA told me, that apparently you went after the king out of revenge, not justice. And it's like, all right, well, that doesn't really matter. Who cares? But And yeah. that you lost control of your powers and you were imprisoned by the Council of Wizards. Is that true? I didn't open your tomb, did I? I opened your prison. But now you have the chance to be a hero for real. And we cut away from that as Teth Adam faces this moral cr- uh, crossroads and we get to uh, the skater, skater kid, Amon. He comes home and, uh-oh, evil Ishmael is there and he takes the crown and shoots uh, uh, shoots Amon's uncle, the goofy guy, Kareem. And uh, then we go back to the JSA is now talking to Adam. And uh, for, Adam, for, for one of the dumbest jokes I think I've ever seen in one of these movies, Adam Smasher shows up with a bucket of chicken and Dr. Fate uses magic to magic it away because it's disrespectful. And it's like, what? When did he stop to get it? Where did he get it? Like, yeah. what, what, what? It's such a dumb he joke. Brought like a, yeah, he's brought like a whole comically large bucket of chicken and no one until this moment said anything about it. Like, yeah. like Dr. Face, like, oh, I should use my magic on this. And also, like, he needs to eat. Like, they should have just left him out. Like, he could have just hung out outside yeah, hang, hang out and ate. Like, he needs it because he's big and he, like, yeah. he's yeah, not eating because he, he just loves his chicken. His metabolism's all screwed up. He was he he should be like I was just sixty feet tall like I need fuel come on yeah but uh, yeah I'm, and I I'm know good at that I, part it's not like he's going to like he's not going to convince Teth Adam of anything <laughs> it's true he is one of the least useful of the members already and honestly I want to know how the fried chicken is in Kandak do I should I go there is it worth my time mm-hmm. so uh, the yeah, JSA they're kind of posturing so they 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 uh they're kind of uh, posturing with uh, Teth Adam again they're all squaring off and then Adriana gets a call from his from her son. Oh no, he's in trouble. Uh, and so she begs Teth Adam, please save my child. Meanwhile, Amon is single-handedly using his skateboard to just show up all these yeah. intergang terrorists. He home he, alones the fuck out of these guys. <laughs> yeah. They called it country alone because he's, he's saving his whole country. And then uh, Teth Adam shows up and the fights a bunch and Ishmael shows up and takes the kid, but nobody knows where the crown of Sabak is. Where did he hide it? And uh, Teth Adam knows that, that, uh, Ishmael has taken Amon into one of his sky cycles, and that leads to a big series of fights where Black Adam's just throwing guys off of yeah. sky cycles to their deaths. Eventually, uh, he seems they do, to— uh, they, Yeah, they do a little bit of a shell game with the sky cycles where you're like, which one is the real one that has the kid in the back? Yeah. Yes, exactly. And you think at the last minute that he's found it, but it turns out he hasn't. And Hawkman is like, hey— if you stop killing people, we'll help you save that kid. And Black Adam says, no. <laughs> and they fight some more, and Adam Smasher accidentally swats Hawkman to the ground. And there's this running gag where Hawkman just keeps saying to Adam Smasher, you and me, after this, we need to talk. Like, you and me. And anyway, uh, yeah, we Dr. Never Fate— Yeah, that, I guess. We never Dr. see Fate, no. he manages to save— extras. No, Dr. Fate saves Kareem, and he starts what I think is one of the funnier— running gags in the movie where he says, this isn't, I've seen the future. This isn't how you die. You die with electricity. And Amir and Kareem is like, but I'm an electrician. And throughout the movie, Kareem is fine running into dangerous situations. I guess he went through this <laughs> once because he's like, I die by electricity. I know I'm not going to die now, which is a yeah. funny bit. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, they they fake us out into thinking that Adam has found uh, Amon, but he hasn't. Ishmael is taking away somewhere else. Uh, Black Adam, because this kind of movie jokes about throwing a man to his death, as he because he's just thrown a man to his death. Although I and, gotta say, like if the movie had leaned into that stuff a little bit more, like did the Terminator Two thing, where it's yes. like like we had this guy doesn't understand our version of morality, so we're we're gonna have to like babysit him. But there's also the funniness of like. 
you know, him blundering through and murdering people, like the yeah. dark comedy of that. Yeah. Like they could have done that, but they they don't. And instead, Spoiler their version alert, of that. <laughs> no, their version of that is that he keeps saying his catchphrase that the kid has given him at the wrong moment, and so like he'll mm. kill someone and then say the catchphrase and goes, "Oh, catchphrase first, then kill." And it's like that's not the joke you should be doing. Anyway, uh, Adam Smasher and Cyclone. There's a series of the beginning of a series of scenes where they're bonding. I guess we're supposed to assume there's like a romance that's going to blossom between them. It leads to nothing. Uh, and Hawkman shows to Black Adam that if or Teth Adam that if you take prisoners instead of killing them, you can get information from them. So Adam gets the information he needs about where the kid is and then kills them anyway or drops them to Hawkman to save yeah. them. And uh, th- this begins a running bit between Dr. Fate and Teth Adam about the difference between, about what sarcasm is and the difference between lies and sarcasm. Anyway, uh, the running Funny gags stuff. are all starting up. Yeah. Uh, they, there's a big debate between Teth Adam and Hawkman about the debate over the morality of killing, yeah. which neither side pre- presents that good a, an argument. They fight again. They destroy a lot of Justice League merchandise in the kid's bedroom. They're destroying the apartment. Uh, and their fight reveals the hiding place of the crown of Sabak. The kid hid it in his dresser the whole time. Uh, and so, right next to the fucking cum socks, right? <laughs> yep, that's he's like no one will want to touch it if it's covered in these. Now, he doesn't realize that the crown gives power to so, the to the sure. semen, oh, turning it no. into monsters. Your cum socks, you put them. You're saying that you put them back in the drawer. <laughs> I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this gross ass kid might do okay. that shit. Dan, obviously you're not familiar with the the legendary story of the West of the cum sock load, which was a vein of cum socks, a rich vein of cum socks that was discovered, <laughs> yeah. made Thank many millionaires. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> So anyway, uh, they uh, now the mom is like, hey, you heroes are going to work together to save my son. And they're like, all right, we will, ma'am. Uh, and Dr. Fate tells Hawkman, I've seen your death, but don't worry, the future can still be changed. And they go, I guess, to like the Eternium mine, yep. and the inter- Intergang has Amon there, and Teth Adam jumps the gun and just starts attacking people at the mine, but it's protected by an Eternium-powered shield, a force field yep. that he can't get through. And Ishmael says, I'm going to kill Amon unless you give me the crown, and... What uh, I love is that I, it's around here where Ama, uh, Ishmael reveals that he is the last living descendant of King Akhtal. And I'm like, wow, 23 <laughs> and me, man. What the fuck? Well, he says, he goes, he goes, I, I'll, now I, and he get and uh, he goes, uh, now, now I'll get the crown. I'm the last descendant of King Octon. My this story has been passed down for through generation after generation of my family, and it's like for five thousand years. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's amazing. An astonishing amount of time that for is any, amazing for, for a lineage to be kept up. Like that's 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 like incredible. If, if even one of those people was like me and lazy and like uninterested in passing along family tales, uh-huh. or like, or if one person was like, you know what, uh, my descendant was an evil king. I don't think I want to continue this. Or one person was told by their parents, oh, by the way, you're the last descendant of an evil king. And they were like, no, I'm not. Come on. Like, yeah. it's like the story, Every it's like, a, I just watched an episode of Finding Your Roots where it turns out that uh, Ed Norton is descendant of Pocahontas. And it was like that, I barely believe that the paperwork exists. But okay, I'll trust Henry Louis Gates. Okay. But uh, <laughs> the idea that for 5,000 years, this story has passed down and I... I really wish that Ishmael had put on the crown and it turned out his family was just, it was just family lore that wasn't true. Yeah, and yeah. Teth Adam, you know, just crushes yeah, his head. And then he, he throws it down. He's like, does this mean I'm not Native American either? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he ends up, uh, uh, 
anyway, he he uh, he gets the crown, but then Teth Adam, but he's going to shoot the kid anyway, and he fires a bullet. And even though we've seen Teth Adam flying around at almost light speed catching bullets, the movie extends this in slow-mo for so long as if we think that the movie's going to, Teth Adam's not going to be able to save him. And what's wild in this slow-mo is that he shoots, in the time it takes him to shoot the bullet, and we watch Teth Adam slowly, f- slow-mo fly to try and block it. Ishmael has time to drop his gun, lift up the crown, and put it on his fucking dome. Like, how fast is that guy moving? <laughs> He's a quick draw artist when it comes to crowns. Uh, anyway, Adam is so worried that he loses control of his powers, he blows up the whole mine. This is one of those movie-controlled explosions where all the good guys are saved, and, yeah. the, and only the bad guys are killed. Ishmael has been turned to a stone statue holding the crown. And... Uh, Hawkman turns to Black Adam. They're about to fight again. And Hawkman goes, how long are we going to keep doing this? And I was like, as an audience member, that is my question as well. (laughs) Thank you, Hawkman, for saying what we're all thinking. Uh, And now Teth Adam finally reveals the final flashback sequence. Uh, He tells Hawkman the story of his son, the kid from 5,000 years ago who got the wizard power. Wait a minute. Teth Adam's not that kid. Teth Adam was the father of that kid. And the king... And uh, the kid got that power and was flying around as a champion, but the king, to get revenge, he killed the kid's parents. And the kid shows up, his mother is dead and his father is dying, and he gives his father the Teth Adam powers to save him. But then a sniper with an arrow kills the kid. <laughs> Classic sniper move. Fucking turns immediately. Out, yeah. and, <laughs> and, and, he was waiting. fucking waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and Teth Adam, it turns out, Teth Adam was not the original champion. He was given the power by his son, and he went mad and out of vengeance and blah, blah, blah. And this and that giant statue of the champion isn't a statue of Adam. It's a statue of Adam's son, which raises the question to me. So did they raise that statue when the king was still around? Because it seems weird that the king would allow them to raise a, an enormous statue of the man who's trying to overthrow him. Or did they raise it later, in which case it could have been a statue <laughs> of, of bad Teth Adam. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, good, good. That's a good point. I, I Also, this revelation, there's two things I want to say about it. Number one, I think this is one of those cases where, you know, surprise as a screenwriter is being valued more than, like, engaging us in the characters and understanding the characters' motivation. Because I, I think, arguably, it would be more effective for us to know the full story at the beginning and understand, like, all of, like, his issues— and then, yes. like, get this character rather than have it be, like, this reveal, which is not yeah, all that I think, shocking. I think, I think more backstory up front would be a good idea. I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think, or even even if they just cut it out, because you know what? It's not that important. And also, the, we've already established who Teth Adam is. Like, we don't need another twist to help us explain why. He was always a bad champion. We don't need he the was twist. never the champion. He was never well, a the hero. other part of it— is that like they're tr- they're trying so hard to make this character into this tortured anti-hero and the thing is we've seen superhero movies before we've seen the rock before we know that the rock is the hero of this movie yep the him like accidentally destroying the society in the past is uh-huh. presented so quickly that even though you know if we think about it we're like oh that's a big deal like in movie language it is waved away and I think that it's part of the the rock just like being scared of actually being an anti. Like we have to see maybe the mm. misery of like I fucked up. Like what did I do? I like killed my society. Yeah. Like that has to weigh more if if this is what you want to do with this story. Like because yeah. as it is, like it's just like why is this guy kind of a dick for a while and then like slightly less of a dick? Yeah, if they played <laughs> up the idea that like uh, like he 
destroyed the society if they showed a moment of him like realizing what he'd done. And then when the wizards were trapping him, he didn't like resist. He was just like, yeah, like, this and is then what I and then he went waking up in the modern times. He's like, maybe, maybe I can do something. Which I kind of guess yeah. is what they try and go for anyway. No, but Which I, is I what think they're it would trying be to do. Good if he was seeking redemption rather than yeah. hiding from yeah. it. Yeah, but and he it's he kind well yeah it's hiding from it more because he tells Hawkman he says Shazam to lose his power, which is funny because he turns back into himself who's still pretty buff like he still looks like a, a pretty big yeah. guy and uh, I mean but he, it's definitely a different guy with the rock's head on yes. it right yes a yes, giant but they did, rock head but they, but they did <laughs> yeah. they didn't go all the Classic. way and make him like a like a skinny weak guy they just made him like a slightly less muscular guy uh, he gives up mm-hmm. his power he tells Hawkman never let me say that again and the JSA takes him to a Task Force XX secret facility where he's imprisoned in suspended animation and it's like this seems this seems harsh. This seems like a very harsh way to treat him well, to put also, him in the minority report prison. If he's willing to give up his powers, fine, but maybe do that after you get back the demon crown. Like why is he doing it now? In well, this story? he thinks well well, because he he thinks that the problem's been solved and we as the audience are supposed to think the problem's solved. And uh but the archaeologist and cyclone realize that, wait a minute, and this is something they realize based on nothing. And we are, and it is so, it's hilarious to me how they reason this. She goes, wait a minute, Ishmael died on purpose because he knew that would send him to the rock of finality where the demon kings live and they would make him their champion and send him back, which is exactly what happens. But this is based on the- It's great that that's, yeah. They turn the crown, the crown is an inscription that says, the path to death, life is the path to death. And they turn it upside down and apparently upside turn down. Turn it upside down. <laughs> thank you. That ancient language, I guess, changes meanings upside down because upside down, it means death is the path to life. And she's like, oh, so that was Ishmael's plan. And it's, su- it's such an amazing leap in logic for them to assume, oh yeah, he died on purpose so that he'd go to the demon's house so the demons would turn him into a super powerful demon man. But that's exactly what happens. They turn him into exactly Sabacc, what happens. The, the, the living embodiment of their power. He's a demon man. He's got a superpowered kind of upside down star on his chest that can fire flames. Anyway, he attacks the JSA. Fight, 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 fight. A Hawkman does manage to injure him with an axe because as we learned with in JLA, Axes are the most powerful instruments of of violence in the world. They can take out Darkseid instantly, and he has to leave. Uh, Fate, and then he said he realizes Hawkman. This is Doctor Fate says Hawkman. This is the battle I saw you dying in, but I can change the future by dying myself. And so he locks in him himself in Sabak in, in, in inside a force field in that throne room and just fights him for a while while uh, well te- telepathically at the same time speaking to Teth Adam in his prison and. I guess giving him the will to live to free yeah, himself. Yeah, talk. He needs like, a he uses talk. magic to free himself. And there's part of me yeah. that's like, I bet Dr. Fate could have pulled off this plan without dying. But yeah. you know what? Let's let him do that. Well, wow. and also, speaking of, like, <laughs> Dr. Strange, I feel like this is, uh, the the balls of this movie trying to pull, like, kind of a similar trick to the stuff that happens in Infinity War and Endgame yeah. with this. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, and, with uh, much less interesting characters. Yes. And uh, uh, so Teth Adam, he frees himself. He fights a bunch of uh, Task Force X guards, and he gets shot. But he, he does escapes. it. He does it without his powers. He does it without his powers, which should be impossible. That he's just taking yeah. blow after blow to the head and and <laughs> fighting past them. And uh, he can't say his magic word because he still has this thing on his mouth that keeps him from talking. And uh-huh. uh, so Sabak, he finally kills Doctor Fate and from all the others. He sits on his throne, which shoots a big laser blast into the sky, and That's that what causes when I that sit causes on the his. <laughs> Your laser blasts don't go into the sky, though. <laughs> no, no. 
and uh, it causes zombie legions to attack the city. Luckily, these zombie legions are incredibly easy to fight, and yeah. all the people of Kondok, Kondok, which has a population of about 50, they're just fighting off these guys, and and uh, Kareem shows up, and, and he's able to help them fight off. Anyway, so... Uh, Teth Adam, he's he, it's, he's. It's always funny when like an army of like the Living Dead show up and they are easily defeated. That is funny when an army yeah. of the Living <laughs> Dead show up. <laughs> well, I laugh and laugh. I think Dan, you <laughs> should have waited cackling. for this for the second part of Stewart's thought. <laughs> what? No. Uh, they're they're being defeated incredibly. There's a part where you see townspeople and undead running at each other, and a townsperson falls, and it looks like he slips. Like it doesn't even yeah. look like the zombie <laughs> got him. Uh, so Teth Adam, I guess, has drowned in trying to escape from the prison. But uh, his family, he sees his family, gladiator style. But, oh, yeah. Uh, his, his son tells him, it's not your time. Uh, Amon, he inspires people to rise up against the zombies with that triangular hand signal because they needed a motivation yep. to stop zombies from eating them, I guess. And, uh, uh-huh, and, yeah. and Teth Adam's son is like, say Shazam. And so he says it. <laughs> Uh, Sabak finally knocks over that big champion statue, was about to crush the total population of Kondok, which again is a couple dozen people, when Teth Adam shows up and catches it and then hands it to Adam Smasher so that Adam can fight. Uh, and it's confusing that Adam Smasher and Teth Adam are the two characters in this movie. Give him a different name. Do Don't you care about think, the name Adam Smasher. Do you think they brought Adam Smasher along because his name is Adam? <laughs> well, they thought this guy smashes Adams and we're going yeah, after Teth Adam. Yeah, Your whole power mistake. is smashing Adams. Yeah. They only heard it. They never saw it written down. He also doesn't yeah. technically smash Adams. It's because he's in the comics, he de- he's a descendant of the original the Adam, who could not had no powers, but was just a short guy who fought. Uh, much yeah. like Alpha Flight's Puck. Who uh, it also I guess Puck kind of has has powers in that he was not originally short, but was turned yeah. short through magic. Turned sh- short to capture so to bind a demon. Power, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Being short is a power. I'm I'm a living example. Uh, <laughs> Teth Adam and Sabak fight. It's very video gamey. Uh, the mob very. fights the skeletons. Uh, Sabak impales and Hawk Black Man. Adam has Black Adam has a new cape when he comes back. Yeah, I don't know where he got the cape from, but he's his got it now. A li- his his no whole mode. outfit's a little different, right? It's a little different. Yeah, it's a little more heroic. And uh, Sabak impales Hawkman, but it turns out that was a fake Hawkman because Hawkman has Dr. Fate's helmet and apparently can do all the things Dr. Fate did, yeah. which really takes a lot of impressions. It really makes me less impressed mm-hmm. with Dr. Fate. Yes. Well, it's yeah. a very user-friendly helmet. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's true, yeah. Just oh, plug yeah, and the, play. The OS on that is so instinctive. It's just, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... Uh, Hawkman and, and Teth Adam, now they cooperate to fight Sabak. And uh, Teth Adam remembers his catchphrase and says it just in time t- before he tears Sabak in two <laughs> down the middle, <laughs> reverse bone tomahawk style yeah. from the head yeah. down. Uh-huh. All the zombies dissolve. Dr. Fate's helmet dissolves, I guess understanding that it's it's no longer needed for the plot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Back to its own the, planet. And, uh, probably Adrian- to find a new Dr. Fate. Yeah. Yes, probably. Uh, archaeologist mom takes <laughs> responsibility Daniel for. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It has he to would be. be he would be great. He's, he's the next of everything. Yeah. And uh, uh, archaeologist mom, t- she says, I'll take responsibility for Teth Adam. Uh, and Hawkman is like, just watch out. That darkness inside you will corrupt you. And she goes, it's his darkness that lets him do what you won't do. As if what he does is anything more impressive than just murdering people. Uh, and the JSA leaves. The crowd, they say, lead us, lead us to Teth Adam. And he sits down on the throne 
and then says, this feels wrong, and he destroys the throne. And the kid goes, you know, Teth Adam is kind of an old-fashioned name. Or maybe he says that. He says, the name Teth Adam is kind of old-fashioned. And she goes, so what should we call you? And he looks at the camera, and then as we yep. mentioned, it cuts to the title, Black Adam. Teth Adam. End of movie. And then we get is to it? the most... Then we get to the most exciting part of the movie for me in the credits when C.C. Beck gets acknowledged as the co-creator of Black Adam. Very Uh exciting to see C.C. Beck, a legendary comic creator who died many years ago with his credits in the movie. Now it's the mid-credits scene and Black Adam is having a hologram telephone call with Amanda Waller and she's like, here's the deal. You stay in conduct or I'll kill you instantly. And he goes, do your worst. Send me your worst people. And she goes, I've got someone better than you. And then... Henry Cavill, Superman, drops in and says, we should talk. Cut to black. The sad thing is, they never will. Because yeah. Henry Cavill no longer plays Superman, and Although, I don't think they're making any more Black Adam movies. Maybe he'll convince Dwayne, Dwayne to be in uh, one of his Warhammer shows that he's working on. And this, I feel like this mid-credit sequence, it doesn't even rise the level of the Morbius mid-credit sequence, which was such a, which was a matter of like, huh? What is, why is this happening? That's- this is, that it's like Superman shows up and he's going to talk to Black Adam. And I guess- the audience is supposed to be like, oh, these two titans, what's going to happen between them? But I have so little investment in either of these characters by this point that, like, I don't really care that much. Guys, that was a we took a long time to get through Black Adam, a movie that is really by the numbers and is mostly just fight scenes. Uh, is it time for final judgments? I think so. Right? Let's yeah. do final Let's judgments. Let's fucking crank it out. Whether this is a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie that we kind of like. Um, Look, this movie is not so great. Uh, I I don't know. Um, I watched a movie last night called Bats. It's from 1999. You may remember it. It starred uh, Dina Mayer and... Uh, and the title Upside Phillips. Down. Lou Diamond Phillips. LDP. Yeah, the title was Upside Down on the poster because that's what you... That's <laughs> yeah. how really Bat would up. read it, yeah. And I'm back and see the movie. Oh, finally, something for me representation. I appreciate it. Yeah. And the the amazing thing to bats for me is is how much it is exactly what you imagine a movie called Bats would be. (laughs) It like it it is it is Jaws, but in you know, Arizona and it it follows all of like the beats of a low budget. The bats. Movie about evil bats, including like the bad a, a guy being, uh, you know, the e- the evil scientist who created super intelligent bats, who like thinks he can control the bats and gets hoisted by his own uh, petard. Yeah, I think it's he's like, gonna. That's gonna work out for him. It hits all the. <laughs> it hits it all, you know. And the thing guys, about- real quick, I hate to interrupt this, Dan, but if I ever come up with a scheme to mm. create like super intelligent animals or dragons or something, tell me to not do that. Yeah, but um, and we'll do all- it in a respectful way. We won't say, "Stuart, you're mad. You're, you've gone mad. You shouldn't yeah. be in God's domain." Instead, I'm fucking sensitive. I'm it's a just going to make you, you want to do it more. Yeah, it's going to hurt your feelings. You're going to want to do it more. We'll say, "Stuart, you're brilliant. I think you could pull it off, but mm-hmm. I don't think you should pull." You've thought Thank so much you. about whether yeah. you could. You haven't thought about whether yeah, you should. No, that's we'll do it that's respectfully. what I need to hear in that moment. Yeah. But the reason I bring up bats is like they're and all then these- I'm going to have to pull your funding, unfortunately. <laughs> Oh, but maybe we could repurpose it towards something, a different project. I'm yes. creating super intelligent earthworms. Colossus, the Forbin project, maybe. <laughs> yeah. No, those um, are all, both dangerous <laughs> projects. Here's the thing about it is there are all these things on the internet, like on Twitter or whatever, that purport to be like 
yeah. AI-generated scripts for things, and most of it is bullshit that some, like, aspiring comedy writer wrote, like, ha, ha, ha. But, like, this, <laughs> like, Bats felt Dan, like with it, no sympathy for aspiring I comedy writers, not, despite well, having no, been one before. I have sympathy for that. Just don't lie about the AI thing. Um. Anyway, the point is... Yeah, I lie. Uh... The, the, that movie feels like the template for a movie. Like if you open Final Draft and they're like, disaster animal movie, they would just have the template and it would be the script for Bats. And likewise, Black Adam in some ways feels like the template for bad DC action uh, superhero movie. But the thing is with Bats, it's a movie from a while back with almost no budget and a bunch of rubber bats and it's 90 minutes long, and so I find the utter, like, cookie-cutter genericness of it charming Yeah, in the way that it is angering with Black Adam, where it's like you have all these resources, you know, big stars, everything behind you, and this is what you give us, and it is just frustrating yeah. and not fun. <laughs> and that's my feeling about this movie. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you. It's, I think it's a bad bad movie. I think they don't make and, enough and effort not, to make it. As Dan a, was saying, a bat bat movie. If only. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah. They don't give you any uh, enough to root for any character involved. Uh, they don't really justify why uh, almost anything is happening. It's just not for me. Uh, I think they, and the fact that they like toy with some actual interesting ideas make the the flaws more glaring for me. Yeah, I agree. It's a it's a bad bad movie. Uh I think that it's a movie that suffers from being like the 30th or 35th of these kinds of movies and like there's a lot of things in it that if this had been the first time I was seeing it, I'd be like, "Whoa, a giant person, a superhero who can just kind of smash through things like amazing." But instead, we've seen it all before and it feels like Dan was saying kind of negatively cookie cutter and it just doesn't work and so i'm gonna give it a bad bad and looking up the trivia on imdb i didn't know this according to the trivia it says jordan peele was originally offered the chance to direct the film when it was first announced and i'm wondering yes. is that just because it has the word black in the title which makes me dislike it even more <laughs> but they were like oh of course they'll direct <laughs> yeah. the superhero movie with black in the title so i would say it's yeah. a it's all it's a bad bad movie and i but i will say this there are a couple funny jokes in it there are a couple times in the movie where there were jokes made that I did think yeah. were kind of funny. There's a part where uh, Black Adam is like, he says something. He goes, did you kill those people? He goes, no. And then you see the people die, you know, die. And he goes, that was sarcasm. And Dr. Fate goes, well, it's not sarcasm, just a lie. And I thought that was a, the way Pierce <laughs> Brosnan said it was funny. But other than that, it's even yeah. even having like- Well, that's the thing. A like, goofy, you, have a, you have a great performer. Yes. But like even to the point of having like a goofy- side character who sings an old pop song, like, in, you know, even to the point of having, like, a doof character who's always kind of silly and messing up, like, in the superhero team, it feels so, it feels like such a fourth generation of the things that we've seen. And uh, it feels weird to have The Rock playing a character who has no humor to him. So, I would call it a miss, as yeah. in, miss this movie. <laughs> Jay Keith, do you know what I love more than the trivia, comedy, and celebrity guests on our podcast, Go Fact Yourself? No, what, Helen? Sharing all of those things with an actual audience. Yes, well, lucky for you, Go Fact Yourself is back to being a live audience show. Woohoo! 
Yeah, we've got a free recording coming up on January 15th in Los Angeles and February 11th in Pasadena. And if you can't make it there, all of our recordings will still be available as a podcast. Twice a month, every month on MaximumFun.org. Yeah, no excuses. So if you're not listening, you can go fact yourself. Hey there, it's Annabelle Gerwich. And I'm Lara House. We host Tiny Victories, the 15-minute podcast that's about the little things. Getting into the tiny victory frame of mind is about recognizing minor accomplishments and fleeting joys. Isn't it a wonderful day when the first password you try actually works? When it's freezing cold outside and toasty as all get out in my shower, my tiny victory is that I turn off the water and get on with my day. We can't change this big dumb world, but we can celebrate the tiny wins. So join us on Maximum Fun or wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's Let's get get tiny. Hey, this podcast has uh, sponsors. Don't tell us we don't because we do. Uh, One of them (laughs) is... uh, Don't you dare tell us we don't. Don't you dare. Microdose gummies. You may have heard about microdosing. Lots of people are doing it. They're microdosing daily to feel healthier and perform better. And our show today is sponsored by microdose gummies, which deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. If you want to maybe elevate your mood, calm down, fall asleep, feel a little boost in creativity. These have all been benefits that I have felt uh, from using these. And uh, I don't know, it's just a good way to unwind that, um, I don't know, maybe it doesn't involve like a glass of wine or something. Have a microdose gummy instead. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing, go to microdose.com and lose code FLOP to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description, but again, that is microdose.com code FLOP. Uh, Elliot, I sent you an ad. I'm sorry. I realized it was Mm -hmm. lingering in my outbox and it had been unsent and I was confused. I'm like, where's the ad copy I sent Elliot? And then I found it. Uh, Do you have it now? I do have it and I'm going to read it right now. So it goes like this. Alex, feel free to to cut that part if you want to or not. I don't know. It's up to you. We are also sponsored, I'm happy to say, by Squarespace. Sorry, I was going to say Squarepace. Squarespace? Uh, We are also (laughs) sponsored by Squarepace. It's Lee Pace, but he's a square, finally. (laughs) We're also sponsored by Squarespace. That's right, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Look, let's face it. The internet is here, and it's not going anywhere. It's already destroyed society, and now it's destroying itself. But... That very fractionalization of the entertainment world and the media world creates an opportunity for you. We're going back to the old Wild West days, and that means you're not literally, but on the internet. And that means there's no better time to stand out with a beautiful website, to engage with your audience, to sell anything you want within legal reason. Your products, your content, everything you create, even your time, Squarespace will give you the tools to do just that. And this is the time to do it. Look. You can create an online store. You can sell your products in it. Whether it's physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools to do that. Look, you can create professional-level videos effortlessly, without effort. You know what's not cool? Making an effort. You want to be all cool and leaning back and whatever. You can do it effortlessly with the Squarespace Video Studio app, and you can display posts from your social profiles on your website. That's right. 
social media, we're all jumping away from it and create a bridge from social media to your website that people can follow so that they'll know where you are on the internet. It's time to stop relying on the big corporations and billionaire weirdos who want to send our brains to Mars for your internet <laughs> life space. It's time to make your own space on the internet. Be the hero of your life. Be the leader of your life. Be the person who's creating the path for you. That's Squarespace that can help you do that with your own website. So, Go to squarespace.com slash flop for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code FLOP to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. It's time. The internet is cracking up like an ice flow with polar bears on each one separating out from each other, more and more frozen, or not frozen, sea between them. Create your own ice flow. Get out there and attract some more <laughs> polar bears to it. It's wow. a weird metaphor, but I think you should do it. Now's the time. Take action. Carpe digitum. Seize the internet Love with it. Squarespace. Uh, wow. That's squarespace.com slash flop, offer code flop. Elliot, I bet you have uh, something to promote. But before we do that, I want to say we have uh, entries in for the Sexy Xenomorph contest. Yay. Uh, I will compile them. I will put up a page for people to vote at flophousepodcast.com, www.flophousepodcast.com. If you go to there, you should be able to find uh, a poll so we can figure out which sexy Slide Xenomorph down that poll into the videos. <laughs> uh -huh. Video you like the best, uh, and they will be the winner of the contest. I, uh, you know, will give you approximately the rest of the month uh, to vote on this, and uh, then we'll announce the winner. But, Ellie, do you have other things to promote uh, I do have all? I have something very special to promote. I am very happy to say that Maniac of New York, don't call it a comeback, number one, the first chapter of volume three of my wonderful, I'm going to say, I'm just going to say it, wonderful. Yeah, yeah, you can say that. Uh, thanks, horror satire comic. It comes out this Wednesday, January 18th. If you are listening to this episode on the day of its release or the week of its release, it comes out this Wednesday, January 18th. It'll be in your local comic book store. You may be aware, you may have heard that the publisher of the comic, Aftershock Comics, recently filed for bankruptcy. A lot of people have reached out to me on Twitter to see what was going to happen with the book and to express their condolences. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for your interest. Thank you so much for your good wishes. It means a lot to me that this book has connected with people and that you want to see more of it. Don't worry. The company, though bankrupt, has not sunk yet, and I've been told that don't call it a comeback number one. It's already been printed, and it's on its way to stores. It may be in the stores now, as it, I mean, and it will be in the stores on January 18th. So on January 18th, this Wednesday, and if you're listening to this after January 18th, go anyway. It's not like it's the only day it's going to be on sale unless it sells out. Make it happen. Oh, hopefully. Please show your support for the book as well as for my great collaborators on it. Andrea Moody, one of the greatest comic book artists working today. Taylor Esposito, one of the greatest letterers working today. It's just the three of us and our editors making this book. And we put a lot of work into it, and we hope you like it. So please head out to your local comic book store this Wednesday, January 18th, and pick up Maniac of New York. Don't call it a comeback, number one. If you've never picked up Maniac before, please give it a try. We were recently named Horror Comic Miniseries of the Year by the Horror News Network website. The wow. first two volumes, thank you. The first two volumes, The Death Train and The Bronx is Burning are both available in paperback right now. The story of Gina Green and Zelda Pettibone, two women trying to stop an unkillable masked slasher who the rest of New York City has just come to accept as a part of everyday life. If you haven't read the series until now, try to pick up those paperbacks. But if you don't want to do that, you can also just jump aboard this death train this Wednesday, January 18th with Maniac of New York. Don't call it a comeback. Number one, in stores after a wait. We're going to get the rest of the series out there. There might be a few delays in between as possible, but I guarantee you uh, I'm going to do everything I can 
to get Even all three. Even if it three. means Elliot has to drive to different places and yes. tell people what happens in the next exactly. issue. Exactly. The story will get out. These, this is a four-issue series, and I, I will do everything in my power to make it out, get it out there. Yes, even if I have to old-fashioned traveling oral star- storyteller star- yep. style, go to villages and sit around the campfire and tell them what happens at the end of the story. Next on the show, we, uh, you know, we answer letters. Don't tell us we don't. I don't know why both this and the ads were in opposition to an imagined uh-huh. argument with a listener, but uh, that's what you got this week. Um, this letter <laughs> is from Daniel, last name withheld. Steel? McCoy. Oh. <laughs> Daniel writes, Dear Flophouse, I wanted to know what film series or franchises you feel completely lost the thread of what they were about. What comes to mind for me is the Rambo series, which went uh, crazy off the rails from a lone wandering Vietnam vet suffering from PTSD being ostracized for his looks to super soldier, freedom fighter, and killer of drug cartels. Also, the Highlander films come to mind since the first movie had the tagline, there can be only one, and the movie ends with there being only one. Any movie beyond the first loses the thread. What film series really lost the thread of what the first was about? Thank you. Keep on flopping. Daniel, last name withheld. Uh, one major one that I think of that is still in production, of course, the Fast and the Furious movies, uh, which oh, start yeah. off what? as a very- They were always about family. They're a small-scale <laughs> point-break ripoff and then become <laughs> large-scale, sprawling cast, uh, zany cartoon physics, uh, super spies, globetrotting, car-based- uh, Defenders of Justice. Uh, that's a little weird. Don't they go to outer space in the latest one? I believe so. I, Hell you know, yeah. I, How could they not? I watched part of the, the latest one. Because they got to do like a heist had, of all the fucking cheese on the moon or something? I've reached my end. I was like, <laughs> you know what? I don't care. Uh, I think yeah. that... Uh, Wallace from Wallace and Gromit took them up there. Oh, hell, dude. If they fucking brought in Wallace and Gromit into the fast... Family, like mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, I'd be I would so love in. it. Well, he's always inventing machines that don't work quite right that for the oh, for the family it. to use. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I mean, the Planet of the Apes movies got really strange over time. I mean, I don't say they lost the thread; they just pushed it. The, the originals, not the recent the, trilogy. The recent, the originals. Yeah, not the, the original ones. ones. Yeah, because they well, the original ones became kind of like uh, stranger and stranger time travel exercises until the very end, very last yeah. one. So it's yeah, it's that's but that's one where. I think here's here's how where I'd say it's a difference. I feel like when they made those Planet of the Apes movies, the only kind of film series franchises before then were kind of like The Thin Man or things like that, where it's kind of mm-hmm. like characters who have an adventure one after the other. And I think yeah. that was one of the first ones where they're trying to figure out what is the sequel to a movie that's not just a detective who has multiple cases or something like that, or yeah. like someone who goes, that's how do, how do we continue this world? It's a, it's a series built that becomes about a world rather than about a specific set of characters. I mean, ultimately it reveals itself to be about the family of uh, an ape family, you know, that it's, it's uh, the family of Caesar and his parents, but uh, the Apelmans, I can see that. Yeah. The Apelmans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I would say I have two answers for this. One is, because I was going to say Fast and Furious also, one is um, the Jurassic Park movies, which Mm. have really, what I think was especially (laughs) funny is they've kind of done the same cycle twice in a way. Like Jurassic Park 1 and 2, it's like 
this park full of dinosaurs. That's a bad idea. They get loose. And then Jurassic Park 2 has a little bit of like, and now the dinosaurs leave the park. And the Jurassic Park 3 is like, we found another park. Let's just go in and find some more dinosaurs. <laughs> and with Jurassic World, it's very funny that it exists in the same continuity. But it's like, hey, you know that park where the dinosaurs went mad and killed people? We're doing it for real now. Hey, but now the dinosaurs are loose. Now there's just dinosaurs. Now we're just going back for some reason. And it's yeah. the... It's it's almost like I wish they'd lose the thread a little more, to be honest. But uh, but it kind of lost what was exciting about the first one, which is like being trapped in a spot where there's dinosaurs and the awe of dinosaurs. And the, because yeah. the more dinosaurs you show, the less exciting it is to see a dinosaur. Uh, but I'm also going to say this is not a good series of movies. I think none of them are good. But the Police Academy movies, the first one is explicitly about what they're rookie the cops. Fuck, <laughs> they shouldn't be cops. <laughs> And None are, of them are good. Yeah. Uh, yes, and and they go on wacky adventures. Tackle and, the and it's an R-rated sex comedy. The first one. Yes, and the more that they go on, both, yeah, the, the less the le- the more it becomes about just like goofy cops. When it was like, well, the whole purpose of the first one is that they're just it's the ca- academy. They're just recruits. Like like why the, they sh- they're bad at their job. Like and they're bad at, than, and it becomes a larger it becomes a larger statement, I guess, on how all police are bad at all their cops jobs. Are which, bad, yeah. which I know Stuart is is definitely on board for, but <laughs> yeah. it feels like it wasn't the original intention of but by the time it gets to them going to Moscow and screwing things up overseas, you know. True. Yeah. Another one that occurs to me, a recent one that we did for the show, obviously, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is oh, yeah. wildly off tone. <laughs> mm, that movie sucks. Uh, I, I'm going to dip my toes into the horror franchises. Yeah. I think I think after the second Hellraiser movie, yes. they all kind of lose the plot. First off, they show way too much Pinhead. Well, um, that's, I think when they when they start to realize when they they were like, oh, I guess this is Pinhead's franchise. And it's like, no, yeah. it's not. He's not the hero of the movies. Like, what are you doing? You know, Julia is the main character. Doy, uh, <laughs> and then I would say the. <laughs> Uh, none of these movies are good, uh, but the Saw franchise gets super wacky. <laughs> After mm-hmm. like they kill they kill Jigsaw in like the fourth movie, and they're like, okay, there's still five more. How can we? <laughs> and there's one. There's all these like flashbacks of Jigsaw doing shit. It's so great, man. It's such a dumb series. There's oh wow, and yeah. Wow. I uh I watched them all when I, I was laid up with an injured back, and it was uh, not not a great time in my life. <laughs> I feel like uh, most, maybe not all, but most superhero series eventually lose the thread of what, like you look at the old Superman movies oh, yeah, or yeah. the old Batman <laughs> movies and you're like, what is going on? Like, did you forget what people liked in the first ones? And even like the X-Men movies, there's a certain point where they're just like, we don't know what we're doing anymore. Like we don't understand it. So they all kind of, if you do, basically some ideas uh, you have more ideas. Some some properties you have more ideas for what to do with them and some you don't. But it's not dictated by what ideas you have. It's dictated by the market. So yeah. the market doesn't always know. Sorry, Adam Smith. You busted. Uh, this uh, second and final letter is from Dennis Last Name withheld from Sacramento uh, who writes, Hi, guys. Is Dennis all- the menace from Sacramento? Could I guess be. he could Maybe. be. Could be. Hi, guys, and also Hallie Hagland. I doubt Hallie's listening, but if she is, hi. As I type this, there's an incredible storm bearing down upon myself and my loved ones. I live on the West Coast, so usually cool. things— Woo. Se- West Coast. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so usually things seem like they're either on fire or about to burst into flame at any moment, <laughs> but we do get the occasional storm. Uh, I was wondering if you have any good tips regarding storms and generally unpleasant weather or even some fun stories to tell. I'll take my answer off the air. Well, that's good because you, you never were on the air. I um... <laughs> <laughs> but, but the answer is on the air. That's the thing. We're recording yeah. it. 
I mean, my tip for storms is uh, go inside. Go inside. That's a good tip. And stay inside for the duration of the storm. And then once the storm's over, you can leave your house. I think the roof is an underappreciated invention of humankind. It's something that was developed early on, and it's still usable. It's still great. Still keeps rain and snow off of your head while you're sleeping. It the roof, everybody. Let's mm-hmm. not let's raise the roof in honor of the roof. And to I join don't. us, it's the roots, <laughs> the band that sounds like the roofs, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't have any. There's storms. no there's no better thing for putting a fiddler on than a roof. Thank you, everybody. This has been Ellie Kalen for the Roof Council yeah, of America, yeah. RCA. You don't want it to catch flame, but if it is on fire, mm-hmm. just let the motherfucker burn. You don't want to have to deal and I with feel that. Like I feel like this question would Actually, be better Dan- answered by friend of the Flophouse, Dr. Roof. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, she uh, just wants I to talk about sex have, stuff? <laughs> I think you should have sex on the roof. Yeah, that's what you always say, Dr. Roof. That's Dr. Roof Househeimer. <laughs> I will say, as, as, a, as a spokesman for the Roof Council of America, do not let the motherfucker burn. If the roof is on fire, contact your local fire department and get that roof put out. You're going to be happy you did. I don't know. Scientists told me that I don't need no water. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> the scientists that told you that? I don't have any scientists. I don't have any stories other than, like, you know, I grew up in central Illinois. There were a lot of tornadoes during the during the summers. Uh, did you ever lasso one like a Pecos bill? I did bill? not lasso one. The, <laughs> Washington, but you did Illinois, go chasing one like a Bill Paxton, right? <laughs> yeah. A couple years back, Washington, Illinois, about half an hour from where I grew up, got hit hard and some things got uh, torn up and that was sad. But Eureka, geographically, for so, like it was in, like, in a dip and tornadoes tend to hell mouth, over right? us. There were a lot of like warnings that then... We never actually, fortunately, got hit by anything. But I don't know if you guys have any storm storm tales. No, <sighs> not really. Storm uh, advice. I mean, stay inside. Stay inside. Uh, candles. But that's just that's just a general life tip. Get some good mm-hmm. smelling candles, dog. <laughs> yeah, light a bunch of them. Take a bath. Take a fucking bath, right? <laughs> and then I will, be like and I scared the whole a- time about how many candles are around you. Yeah, and then and then cra- <laughs> crack the spine on a sweet little Ursula K. Le Guin book. And, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what you're... That's you what I'm going to do. Uh, it, particularly sexy. That sounds great. Yeah, but, always. But again, as a spokesman of the Roof uh, Council of America, please don't put those candles on the roof. The roof is flammable. It could <laughs> go on fire, and you do yeah. not want to let that motherfucker burn okay. again. So keep those yeah. candles off the roof. Put a fiddler <laughs> up there. <sighs> Or a weather vane. Conflicting Uh, reports on this. mm -hmm. And I don't have any storm stories. I grew up in New Jersey. We had a lot of floods, a lot of blizzards. Uh, But otherwise, my favorite, I do have a pretty good storm story. It has to do with uh, when she had a mohawk and was like kind of in her punk (laughs) mode. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, hanging out with Yukio on the dark side of Tokyo. Yeah, that that Uh, is a good storm uh, story. Yeah. uh, There's another good story. I have another good storm story. It's called Life Death, and it's about her and Forge. Life Death 2, not as good a storm story, but, you know, it's all uh, right. Yeah. So I guess we do have good storm stories, yeah. Yeah, we got plenty. Okay, well, let's move Thanks, on Chris to— Thanks, Chris Claremont. <laughs> let's move on to uh, recommendations. A movie we saw recently that you'll probably I've seen a shitload lately. More than Black Adam. I watched—you know what? This is not— a movie that I absolutely love, but I it's probably the movie that I enjoyed the most that I saw recently, and it was very warm-hearted. Made me feel You're going to recommend good. Babylon again, aren't you? No, no. I, uh, <laughs> I, perhaps an unexpected recommendation. I watched Nancy Meyers' film, The Intern. 
starring one Robert De Niro and one Anne Hathaway. Oh, Bobby mm. D. Uh, Elliot's old pal, Annie H. Um, <laughs> yeah. And um, it's a movie, like, you know, I'll warn you, it's got the usual Nancy Myers stuff. It's about a bunch of uh, wealthy people with, in big kitchens without real problems. But mm-hmm. it, it's it's also sweet. Um Robert De Niro does like a great job as just like a guy who's just like a decent guy. Like he's a decent, patient guy who's older. His wife died. He doesn't have a lot in his life. He's like, he sees an ad for a senior intern program. He's like, this will be a thing that I can do with my time. Uh, He enters Anne Hathaway's life. You know, she's a uh, successful young businesswoman who doesn't, need his help per se, but could use someone who is supportive and kind and doesn't like demand anything for is just there to be like kind to her. And it's just a warm like comfy movie. Comfy movie. It's a it's a it's a total fantasy. Uh there's like the comedy's not that great. Like whenever it tries to get wacky, it's not that great. There's some like weird stuff in there about like elevating traditional masculinity. Like where did these kind of guys go? Kind of stuff. That is a little weird, but on balance, it's just nice to see. You know, like I like unlikely animal friends, and I like unlikely human friends too. And there's no more unlikely human friends than seeing Robert De Niro and Anne Hathaway palling around. <laughs> and uh, in real a life, good time. deadly enemies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you put yeah. them in this in Natural a jar together prayer, and yeah. shake it; they'll fight. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but I just had a good time. <laughs> I, it's, uh, it's just sweet. It's sweet. Sometimes you want something that's sweet. Uh, Stuart, I get it. Uh, yeah, I watch a lot of movies and I'm probably going to be drip feeding them through episodes of the flop house. Uh, today I'm going to recommend a movie from a 24, uh, that hopefully will get a little bit of award season attention. It's a movie called after sun. Uh, it is a very kind of small movie about a, uh, a woman who is, uh, and and it's told in a complicated fashion. So it's a movie that requires a lot of attention. I don't rec- recommend uh, doing dishes while watching it. Um, a lot of it is told through uh, basically what what turn out to be memories or uh, like video clips from a like a home video camera. And it's about a, f- a young father who is about to turn thirty who is taking his 11-year-old daughter on a vacation in the Mediterranean. And uh, they are not in each other's lives a lot. And they are both in their own ways trying to connect with each other. And at the same time, uh, the story is also kind of being uh, processed by the daughter who is grown up and turning 30 herself and she's kind of reflecting on a man that she doesn't quite know very well. Uh, and it has an incredible performance. It has a couple of incredible performances, particularly uh, Paul Mezcal, who uh, plays the father. He was in, uh, he was the lead on that show, Normal People, a show I did not care for. Uh, but he is, he is so good in this as a, as like a young man, uh, like a young dad who is trying to be a, a good father, um, in whatever ways he knows how. I mean, it's also very similar to Paul Tequila, but smokier. Very similar, but, you know, maybe uh, maybe for a more uh, discerning palate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, After Sun, um, I think it, it takes a little bit of work uh, from the viewer, but I think it's worth it. Uh, and I'm going to recommend a movie from last year, but I just saw it last week, 
uh, or I might have mentioned it on our uh, 2022 show, which is which you know the mini, not the one of the shows from 2022. Anyway, this movie I recommend is The Banshees <laughs> of Inisherin. It's 1923, and Colin Farrell is a fairly thick-headed but well-meaning resident of the small Irish island of Inisherin, whose days are mostly spent palling around with a small donkey and chatting about nothing with his friend Brendan Gleeson. But when Brendan Gleeson tells Colin Farrell he doesn't like him anymore and never wants to see him again, it rocks Colin Farrell's world and leads both friends down a path that starts with charming humor but slips into obsession, anger, and vengeance in the macabre Martin. McDonough Manor, and I really liked uh, Banshees of Inisherin. That, I didn't... that would have been a perfect trailer, like re- uh, voiceover, right there. Thank you very much. I appreciate if you, it. Uh, if you could do it in an Irish accent, that would be a plus. But you don't have to. I like let it me just try. the way it is. It's nineteen twenty-three, oh, and Colin perfect. Farrell Wait, is clearly thick-headed, but well-meaning. Oh, maybe not. Why being Irish doesn't mean that your your voice goes up several. Oh, weird. <laughs> this, this is the way they talk in got Ireland. A, just Real got a pitch. cease and desist email from the Lucky Charms guy. <laughs> <laughs> the Lucky Charms guy. His name is Lucky. Hey, <laughs> it's signed, I, don't, I don't respect him. It's yeah. it's signed TLC guy, the Lucky Charms guy. So uh, I really liked this a lot. I thought it was really funny and also really heartbreaking. Yes. And uh. McDonough, he sets up this situation between these two and he kind of lets it play out without an inter- without the kind of intervention that a movie or, or turnabout that a movie might introduce. And so it just goes to an end point that is both like shocking, but also feels inevitable when you get there. And uh, I want to especially single out Carrie Condon, who plays Colin Farrell's sister, and she's fantastic in it. That and- scene with her and Barry Keegan where near the end of the movie where he, you know... Yeah, it's, yeah, I don't. I don't want to talk too much about the yeah. specifics of it, but it's like a fucking soul crusher. <laughs> it is, but it's it's played so beautifully. It's and so it's, gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, it's great. And it's a real. It's a movie that seems really simple, but there's a lot going on in it, and it felt. I mean, I've never been to Ireland. I'm not Irish, although you might have thought I was by the accent. But it's, yeah. it feels like authentically Irish in the like in an Irish literature way, as opposed to like the kind of goofy twee stuff that we. I, I feel yeah. like growing up, there was this period where there were a bunch of movies about Ireland in American theaters, and it was all You're like waking at divine. And, divine. And, yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. Or let's like be clear. there was, or like. The, you know, there was a, there was like a MasterCard commercial where someone goes back to Ireland to uh, to learn about their roots and they're just dancing and whatever. And it, this felt like it felt genuinely like it, it taps into one, that. What's the one with Harrison Ford and Brad Pitt? Oh, the oh, Devil's uh, Own. Devil's Own. Oh, yeah, yeah. fuck yeah. that. And the, and this taps into kind of like that kind of like the undercurrent of kind of like charm and sadness that is like that that seems to. Um, be such a part of the Irish character, you know. So I really liked it a lot. The Banshees of Inisherin. Yeah, that's a good one. Although I could not, I had to write down the title because I couldn't remember the name of the place. So I was like, I was like, Danielle, I really liked the Banshees of Inamunermunerin. Mm-hmm. Like I could not, I could not remember Inisherin. Well, it's, it's a fantasy location, so you know I remembered that name, mm-hmm. uh, Elliot. Uh, I <laughs> when true. when to to additionally sell After Sun to you, the movie that it reminded me the most of uh, was The Lost Daughter, a movie you had mentioned in our wrap up episode. Yes. Which so I really if, liked a lot. I, I think I think you would get something out of After Sun. Okay, I got to see it. Is it in, is it streaming anywhere? Or it's just in theaters right now. I think it's just in theaters, but I'm assuming it's going to be streaming soon. I'll try to find it in the theaters. I'm trying to go to the theater more often since I think I went twice last last year. Uh, well, that marks the end of this episode. It's been a long one because uh, you know Black Adam was just such a rich text that we had to <laughs> There's so much to dig into. Really yeah. dissect. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, as we close up. 
I'd like to thank uh, Maximum Fun, our network. Go to MaximumFun.org. Check out other podcasts on the network. Um, I think the the network's pretty good at sort of having a sensibility uh, rather than just being like a bunch of things thrown together. So if you like this show, like I, bet there's, I mm-hmm. bet there's something else that you would like uh, on our network. And also I would like to thank Alex Smith. He's at Howell Dottie on Twitter and uh, various other spaces. Um, and he makes us sound good. But uh, but that's it for the Flophouse. I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen. But, you know, perhaps I need a new name. I think I'll call myself, okay, Alex, how do you put, like, a title screen here that has Just, my new superhero name? That, like, it doesn't, you don't hear it, but, you like, it says it. And yeah, it's do, like, like, a yeah. boosh sound effect. You can, like, yeah, hear yeah. the letters. Just put that in right there. But I'm Elliot Kalen until that title screen goes up on in your ears, audio-wise. Okay. Bye. Normally when I watch a big movie, I'm like, okay, which of these characters do I identify more with? But the problem is I'm a little like both Beam and Rom, right? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, that's why they call you Stu R R Art. <laughs> <laughs> That's better than Stu Tar. T- <laughs> <laughs> that was your former nickname because you identified with Tar so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's me. Uh, uh, man, time to drink some pineapple juice. So my loads are huge. Uh, number one, <laughs> that's not what happens. Number two, that's seltzer. <laughs> I'm so not wait, sure how much real pineapple so Dan, is in that. Why are my no, loads make, so make, huge? Then? It makes it because uh, your loads are so bubbly. Huge testicles, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart, uh, we've got this. I'm your doctor. We've got you've got an issue known as big sperm. Uh-huh. Uh, your sperm is actually too big. Uh, like the end of like the. Lo- <laughs> I, I got a lot of questions, Doc. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.